Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the How To Adult podcast. I'm Sam, your host, joined this week by Tom. How are you, mate? Hey, uh, I'm alright. Bit tired. <laughs> but yeah, I'm here. I was going to say, I'm you here. do sound, you sound a bit out of I'm it. I'm here. I actually made it. We're recording this a bit later on than we usually would, purely because I was unavailable uh, to record. You, and just... you mean asleep? <laughs> no, no, I was I was actually like properly ill. I, I got the jab and stuff, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're recording this a bit later, and because of that, uh, Jack <laughs> was unavailable today, <laughs> so it's just us. Yes, yeah, no Jack this week, it's just the two regulars, um, so we can finally call Jack an, an on and off co-host. <laughs> yeah, about bloody time. Yeah, exactly, four episodes in, we should have done this yeah. earlier. Um, so, Tom, this episode we're going to revisit something we did um, a couple of weeks ago, that was a bit of a discussion on the um, on the games industry, um, something that... Again, as I said a couple of weeks ago, when you and I get into discussions about it, it's very, very long. Um, but this time... It's because you know, we, we never about, agree on anything. Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. Um, <laughs> we talked um, two weeks ago about uh, what we've played um, then. What have you been playing recently? What have I been playing recently? Well, as those that have come from my streams will know, lots of strange things. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing a game, Empire of Sin. You ever heard of it? Yes, I, I tuned into your stream. Oh, um, you did. You were there. Think, oh, when, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when you first started playing it. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the, I think the first thing I said was, "This reminds me a lot of um, a Muerta, uh Empire of Crime." I think it's called. Yes. Um, and XCOM, I think, was your other comparison. Yeah. Well. Well, the thing with it, calling XCOM is the combat, because yes. the combat is very, very XCOM. It's the kind of um, you know, Tur- moving individual units in a turn. Yeah. Turn-based, square floor, that sort of thing. Yeah, mm. I'm actually supposed so, to be doing another Empire, uh, Empire of Sin stream as soon as we finish this. So <laughs> there you go. So you'll you'll be able to properly get this recording. Um, so how have you been enjoying that? Because obviously, you know, you as you know, there you're still playing through it. How have you found um, it? Well, obviously, if you were there for the very very beginning, the first half an hour I played it, I so off-screen, uh, off screen, off stream i did all the tutorials and going through what everything is so i could just jump into it so i spent about half an hour going through all the tutorials and working it all out that way and then i started streaming and then i I was streaming for about half an hour and at the end of that half an hour my main character died (laughs) now i wasn't prepared Uh for what happened next because i thought oh it'll just throw me back to an old uh a previous um, autosave. No, 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 no. Yeah. It deletes all your autosaves and puts you right back on the main menu as if it never existed. Mm. Yeah. Proper permadeath. Proper permadeath. Unaware of proper permadeath. And so, mm. I was under understanding of that, I've been a bit more reserved with the second playthrough. Um, but yeah. it's got... I was doing really, really well, and I've been doing really, really well. And then the last... Again, the last half an hour of the last... Tr- uh, stream I did shows off everything really um, I I basically I, I managed to get four separate associates killed and almost got myself killed three times uh, through failing three battles outside somebody else's hideout so you know mm. it's a win lose 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 to be honest but it's yeah. a fun game and I'm enjoying it so I'm going to continue because the one I the one of your streams I tuned into when you're playing that um, it was kind of when you were setting up the, this new character, and then I remember I tuned out just after you'd gone through um, a quite costly fight in a warehouse. 
um, where you were literally half a second oh. away from death about three times. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, when you came back, the character that I just uh, hired and spec'd out was dead. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah he was my second casualty. I think, because initially when I first loaded in as, uh, the second time round, I only hired one associate, um, mm. and he survived one fight and then died in the second fight. <laughs> and so I ended up doing quite a lot of solos there. Mm. Apparent- From what I can tell, your your problem is that you just bum rush into every single fight and, not, and don't think tactically. Oh, I think tactically. Basically, my main character now is so overpowered that if he... Yeah. It, basically, he can take on up to three, maybe four other people and win Uh as soon as it becomes more than that or they have specialties like that bloody sniper that (laughs) is where i lose things so yeah like i said in the i had three battles right at the end outside somebody else's uh safe house now i turned up there with two characters that i kept alive for absolutely ages yeah um and i'd spec them out they were almost fully leveled and everything and then literally close range sniper shot one guy took it and just instant it was per like instant death like i've got an ability that should keep people within uh, i think it's five uh yeah within five meters of me i think or something like that um they go mm. down but they don't die and he was within five meters and he still died he just took that much damage Bloody yeah hell. so stuff like that is what i was unprepared for i i didn't quite realize that snipers were a thing until i i turned up at that fight um but mm. yeah you win some you lose some I'll, I'll just i'll build an army and go back and take that street with force it'll be fine yeah yeah um so overall let's, let's talk about the game a little bit like more in that we mentioned some of the scenarios you got into the actual game itself so it's as i mentioned you know i made the comparison to um um a murder it's a kind of it's a it's an interesting mix, isn't it? Because it's a like a business gang management sim mixed with the sh- with like an RPG, but also with hints of XCOM esque combat. It's a really weird mix, isn't it? Yes, it is rather strange. I haven't got to the management side of it really yet. So yeah. basically, the way it works is you start off and you're essentially you're just a guy that's got off a boat and then is sort of renting something off another mobster and yeah. you're there quote unquote working for this other person and then eventually like that like there's a bit of a story talkity bit at the beginning and then after that you walk into this uh, place that this person owns and just take it over and suddenly you are now the man in charge yeah. And it goes from there. And so you later on down the line, you can hire like people and then you can give them specific roles. Like you can give, um, you can get underbosses, which basically they, they do like sub management so they can, it's like automated. They'll just do stuff for you and like, yeah, stuff like that. Um, and you can, you can control each character you hire individually as well. Like I could, have like three separate fights and have my um associates spread across the entire city if i wanted to they don't have to Mm. stay in a group i just i like to keep mine together so that it's stronger um yeah but like eventually you get to the point where you don't need to send your uh main character out into the world at all 
just send your henchmen. Yeah, you just send henchmen, and then he, your your leader, just organizes things from uh, one of the hideouts. Yeah. The only reason he has to ever go outside then is when he's going to a sit down. Mm. So, I was I was going to say let's talk about the sit downs for a second because there I mentioned it being like an RPG esque thing. Those are kind of the the truest kind of RPG esque bit about it, isn't it? It's like a very very I would say fairly basic um, dialogue system. Yeah, like like you've seen in in the Mass Effect or the Dragon Age games or any Bethesda's RPGs. Um, I was going to say no, the, it feels <laughs> yeah, like those bits do feel a bit like you've thrown the you know the Civ democracy. C- yes, civilization yeah. democracy you sort of smash that together with um the mass effect dialogue system and you mm. put those two together that's basically what it is yeah those sections of the game um i pointed this out when i was watching your stream that you know the that some of the animations of the of the models <laughs> looked really odd and then the lip syncing uh, is terrible in on in some er- portions terrible terrible no the lip syncing is <laughs> practically non-existent mate <laughs> there were points where my character was moving his face and nothing was happening and then there were points where yeah. he was saying things and his face wasn't moving so you know mm. it's really kind of on and off and it, it just yeah it, it didn't make any sense whatsoever would you say those feel like the most i'm not gonna say ham-fisted because that sounds that's a bit, bit bit harsh like um kind of last minute addition do you think they're the most last minute decision that it or at least feels like it in the game um or would you say that's another, like a certain other aspect? Um, I think it's more to do with, like, it's not as much of a core, like, essential part. Because it's not a massive game, either. It's 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 a, yeah. it's a tiny little game. Um, but I don't think... That's not really one of the core mechanics. Like, the, the combat is quite a core mechanic. And making sure notoriety and trading and all of this other, like, management system is a mm. massively core mechanic that I just haven't got to yet. Um, yeah, yeah. But the sit down bit isn't really as core, like as as main as the rest of them. It just feels like maybe they added it in, ran tests on it a couple of times, decided yeah that works fine, and then just left it. Yeah, I mean, in all fairness to what to what I said, like as you say, it's no, it is, it's not like the core aspect of the game. Yeah, and um, that is mainly like the the combat system and the more management bits. Um, so. I can un- I can understand when you say like you know why it would feel maybe a little bit um, ropey because you know as you say you know that's more of the you know okay it works it's not something that's going to be focused on for a large amount of time let's move on and let's you know let's keep the developing the rest of the game yeah well I, mean, I want I want to quickly touch gone I mean it uh, yeah here we go sorry I'm just looking at what the uh, publisher has done prior to this as well yeah it's it's paradox interactive who published yes. a hell of a lot of stuff they're they're publishing the upcoming um masquerade bloodlines 2 game um i wonder what thing like deep silver also currently attached so they, to they they also see what the developers they also done. did prison architect they've done surviving yeah. mars city skylines uh magicka 2 oh they did the victoria series okay I'm interested. Mm. I mean, let, let's let's be fair. This is just, they are a paradox are the publisher. So if we look at the developer, this is I'm looking at now. This is Romero Games' second title. The other being um, Gunman Taco Truck, which was a <laughs> PC and iOS game from back in 2017. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, <laughs> um, I, well, I actually wanted to bring this up in terms of um, having a look at what the press thought. You know, 
I, I tout myself as a, as a wannabe games journal. Um, so I wanted to see what other critics had say to it, had, had said on it. So the Xbox version which you're playing, how long have you played with that, do you reckon? Um, not, not massively long. I mean, including... So the two streams are about three hours each. Yeah. And then probably another hour on top so about okay. seven hours roughly about seven hours okay that's so. that's that's reasonable that's reasonable to get to kind of sit your teeth in so if we look at the xbox version which you're playing at the moment yeah that has on metacritic an average 68 percent um i should actually have a look at open because that's the other one to look at um so the if we look at all critic reviews it's got it's got very very kind of um middling reviews um from what i've seen so that's kind of and i think that's actually the highest score it's got if you look at the pc version that's got a 63 on metacritic oh dear. um ign gave it a 40 um what are the other ones again again it's the same thing we had last time ign italia gave it a 70 but ign gave it a um or oh, a 49 from pc gamer yeah. That's not good at all. Um, I mean, like... That's so a 63 average. The I, I just want to... Yeah, that was it. I, I remember there was a particular score, 43% from for the PlayStation port. Yeah. With Push with Push Square giving it a 30. And that's a middling 50 for the Switch port. So a very kind of... Probably the definition of a meh to uh, game. Yeah, I just... I, I feel like it could be... that Those could be boosted if the devs could be bothered to do maybe two three patch updates because that's okay. all it'd take because it'd be i feel like a lot of that is coming from stuff that just doesn't quite work right and it doesn't affect mm. the gameplay as a whole like you can continue playing yeah. the game the game itself at its core is a brilliant game it's an amazing idea and i love it yeah but yeah. As you can see on my streams, okay, when your control... Because fights can break out across your territory anywhere. It's not just around mm. your core people. And yeah. so if, some, if another group decide they're coming over to attack you, you basically control anybody that's on uh, part of your crew in that area. So you'll get, like... Uh, a random guy with a shotgun, a random uh, girl with a pistol, someone with a baseball bat, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, there's a specific move that um, you can do with people that just have uh, baseball bats or hammers or literally just carrying a, a melee. Um, uh-huh. And it is, I think it's called the shove. Basically, you sp- they sprint at them full pace. Yeah. And... Uh, shove them back like uh three squares Mm. so out into like fire out from behind cover whatever and it deals a certain amount of damage now that description that i've just given you of sprinting at full speed and shoving them is how i imagine it would have happened how Mm. it actually happens is the character freeze frames in whatever position they were stood in yeah slides without moving any of their limbs from their position to right next to the other person's position and then suddenly the other person goes flying backwards (laughs) because that animation either doesn't exist or just isn't triggered 
Yeah. And I yeah. feel like there's a lot of bits that are like that in this game that if they were just patched, people would take the mick out of it less. Like I wa- yeah. I watched somebody else do a playthrough. I think the spiffing Brit, I think it was. Uh he did one of his talented loophole videos or whatever. Um yeah. yeah. And he got about I think he said he got about six seven hours into the game he was playing the pc version obviously um and he'd done something that had triggered his um character to constantly have her pistol out and so she was stood there in the middle of the street with her pistol up like she was in combat but she wasn't in combat and so he had to spend the rest of the game with his character stuck in a position where she was armed permanently it like there nobody reacted to her being armed unless you went into that actual like scenarios so it didn't actually affect yeah. the gameplay it just it then just um affected his experience of the game um and now i've had a similar glitch to that where my character is in the position where he should be holding a pistol the pistol isn't actually there um and it is only his upper torso for me it wasn't full body like it was for spiff but yeah it, it's there are little it's little naggy bits and i'm sure that there's going to be a lot more of that sort of thing further out throughout the game as well because it just feels like they they made it they released maybe two maybe three updates to fix it near its release date and then got rid of it yeah i've just realized something that i should have when i said the name of the developer so the name of the developer is romero games now I wanted to have a look because obviously on Metacritic it says that they are t- there are two games that this studio has developed. Now, so so the headquarters of Romero Games is in Galway, Ireland. Now that's that sprung and the, and for any of you that are long time um, viewers of the uh, of the games industry, that may also ring a bell because this studio was founded by Brenda and John Romero. John Romero being the man who was pivotal in creating the fps yeah well that's a bit weird then isn't it (laughs) yeah now he now i I remember a couple of years ago he had a kickstarter project um called black room now as far as i'm aware that never came out of um out of kickstarter hell and yeah these the two because john murray did work on a couple of stuff um since uh, obviously, since the days of, of participating in Quake and Wolfenstein um, and Doom, so you know it's 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 because I thought you know it came out in December and you know if it's still quite buggy, then I I wonder kind of if they're still working on it. But that makes a lot of sense that you know because one thing I will note is from what I can see, it doesn't say anything about if this development team is just uh, hang on, just double check on their website. Okay, so it's a pretty sizable. Um, team because so i was going to say it it only lists with regard to the to those working on it as the ceos of being brenda and john romero so there is a, a reasonably sized indie team behind this um as we said you know there are still bugs in it but the one thing i will credit with is from what i remember watching your stream there the object interactions like because you know most most object interactions in games can be really kind of up in the air and um you know sometimes it will it will work perfectly other times it they'll the character models will just flop through a solid object yeah um i remember there was a scenario where 
you'd it might have been you'd shot um an opposing gangster and he kind of blasted back against a um a lamppost and just dropped to the floor and was leaned up against it. Am I remembering that right? Yes. I mean I, I did a lot of fighting in that game, so that could have happened yeah, many yeah, times. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, that could be I mean, the thing is, as I said, you know, this is, as a studio, this is their second game. Obviously, you know, we should look at, you know, the CEO is, the CEO is, you know, John Rowe, who's got a lot of um, a back catalogue when it comes to games in this industry. But, you know, 1st of December it came out. We'll see, you know, we're, what, we're now five months on from its release. Yeah, I was going to say, it's actually, I didn't realise quite how new it was either. This is this yeah. first of December twenty twenty to say what it yeah. was. Yeah, so let's let let's let's hope they will be able to get out a, a patch and maybe that'll fix some of the issues. Um, maybe we can, if it does release a patch, we can revisit it on a future podcast and talk about maybe how it's improved. Because um, you know it it looks like you know the actual look and style of the game is quite nice you know um i'm just looking at it, it's got an interesting style looking to it. at it on steam and it look the reviews even steam are saying it's got mixed reviews so, yeah so yeah 44 well, percent positive overall but the recent ones are 55 percent positive so i'm, I'm yeah. thinking because there was an update for it just after i downloaded it so i think that might have been something that has improved on it okay quite possibly yeah i was gonna say i've just looked at the um Again, on Empire Sun, like some of the notable ones, it points out are the are the uh, the PC game was a forty nine, IGN four, um, the Metro gave it a three out of ten. So yeah, it's getting pasted. Um, or it got pasted, shall we say? But yeah, uh, as you said, maybe something to visit after it's had maybe a, a patch or two that have fixed um, some more of the the issues. It looks as well like they're planning on they are planning on releasing more stuff for it as well. So yeah, yeah. already they've got well, that's a good extra. Sign. There are extra, like obviously, playing it. There's something like ten different mobsters you can choose from right at the beginning. Um, yeah, and yeah. they've already released a mobster pack that gives you another four, so it gives you fourteen to choose from. Okay. Um, and then there's a there's an expansion pass you can buy. So I'm assuming that that will allow for yeah. extra things. Mm-hmm. I know how you feel about it, but still, I'm using it as evidence that there is more coming. Well, I, well it, it, it's just that an expansion pass for an indie game that's not really that was like. I mean, how much? I'd rather that? instead of re- instead of releasing all this new content. Well, I was going to ask you this: this new mobster pack is it a free update to the game or is it a paid bit of DLC? Um, so it comes with. It's like when you buy games when they first. You know when they first come out and they give you like multiple different editions to buy from. So you get like yeah, there's yeah. The sta- for this there's the standard edition, deluxe edition, and premium edition. Standard edition you just get the base game. Deluxe edition you get the mobster pack, uh, and then obviously it, it basic stuff in game. So you get like golden weapons sets and curb stomp executions and blah blah blah. And then the premium edi- mm-hmm. premium edition you get all of that plus the expansion pass. I think looking on. Steam price premium edition is fifty four ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, I, I've just looked, I've just pulled up my Steam as well. Like that is. Um, so you're paying twenty. Like to it, be it, fair, it launches at thirty five quid. Yeah, twenty pound more to get potentially if they're doing it because obviously the the publisher is the same publisher that does Stellaris, and Stellaris yeah. has had how many DLCs? Like four. I think they're on season three of all of the DLCs at this point. There's like 
stupid yeah them. yeah there's loads i do have them all to be fair for xbox um Mm-hmm. So if they're going down the same route with this as they did with that, mm-hmm. then I'd say £20 for that expansion pass would be worth it. But that's okay. only conditional on if they are doing the same, like, similar with this as they did with Stellaris. Because Stellaris, I paid, like, £15, £15 per mm-hmm. season pass. And yeah. each season pass had four DLCs, and the DLCs individually would cost £9 each. So I saved so yeah. much money getting the season pass for the dlcs because i mean i accidentally bought the season three season pass when it first came out mm-hmm. and there was nothing on it because i i got yeah. all the dlcs in the game and everything at the same around the same time that the season three season pass had come out and so there was nothing on the season three season pass so i just went on and i just bought everything i'm like right i want all the dlc i want everything i want to have the full game and then it wasn't yeah. until later on where I think I was talking to Ronnie or someone, um, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you don't need to get that bit because there's nothing on it yet." I'm like, "Oh," but mm. they've released three expansions on that season, uh, on that season pass since then, and I haven't had to pay a penny for those. And they're, they're well, all I was like gonna 10 say, I've, so. Yeah, I was just gonna say I've just remembered because um, as you say, you know, Paradox Interactive are the publisher who also published um, Prison Architect, and as you say, Stellaris. They've also done uh, Crusade Kings. Um, but I've just looked. So obviously, they also published. And I've forgotten. I've forgotten about their City Skylines. Yes. And there's a lot of there's a lot of DLC for City Skylines. Um, so on Steam, I will clarify. This is just on Steam. I'm looking at this. So it's got 64 games that Paradox have um, published. They have. Um, they've got 361 separate pieces of DLC. And th- so they're, they're a publisher that quite like their DLC that, for their that's games. That's City Skylines, yeah. Surviving Mars has got quite a few as well. I know about. No, no, no. So that was, so sorry. Let me clarify. So the three hundred and sixty-one DLC that was every oh. piece of DLC that's been released for Paradox's sixty-four games. Oh, published. in total. In total. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I, I mentioned City Skylines because I remember there's a absolute metric crap ton for that game. Yeah. Because I was I was going to try to get it all because as you say like. I wanted the full experience of City Skylines, and it's like, oh, hang on a minute, there's a just a literal shit ton that I yeah. would need to buy. Yeah. So, which is why I, I you know, I, I, I went through it, I, I got it all and stuff, and, and yeah. I, I then realised I didn't need to. But they also did the Victoria series, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mountain Blade. I didn't know they did Mountain Blade. Yeah, they they seem like a publisher that mainly focus on strategy games but yeah they've got some um pretty decent um action titles as well in their repertoire yes. hearts of iron yeah so you know i reckon that it's a it's a game that maybe didn't have the best start but i think it's definitely gonna have a decent life it, it's got it's one of those that's got the potential to be good but you know it's a the thing that Romero games need to do is focus on, you know, fixing the game and making sure it's the best quality product and then you can go yeah. and do all your, all your DLC games. Yeah. I think they've just set it up so that, you know, they can release DLC in the future. I don't think they... I don't... I Well, at least I hope they don't have DLC ready to release now when there's just... There is still quite a bit wrong with the game at the moment. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. I say, it's all stuff that would infect... Uh, would affect the... Um, the player's perception of the game it, nothing in it so far that i've come across affects the actual playability um mm-hmm. like the game the, the game itself isn't 
broken it's the visuals within it i think yeah yeah you you've you've not had any game breaking bugs it's just that certain like you know animations not triggering um yeah it's all it's all cosmetic so far so yeah that you know as we said empire sing could be it could be all right but it's just one of those paradox are one of those publishers that i always think you know you've got a good track record mostly of games but as we said a few moments ago the their love of dlc is a thing that kind of makes me worry and it's the same with something like bloodlines 2 when that when that is gonna whenever that uh, surfaces is the amount of dlc they, they'll do for that yeah. i mean obviously it's different because i think bloodlines is going to be in first person Ooh. i think first first or third person action game um and you know with stuff like city skylines with um surviving miles with you know all of these strategy games they do a lot of it is like extra buildables extra factions all that kind yeah. of stuff it, it's stuff that gives you an ability to play it a little bit differently as opposed to yeah. something that just affects you instantly which is yeah. something I, yeah. I quite like in in games i mean even the i mean going back to stellaris the the latest dlc for that um well at least for xbox i'm not entirely sure what the latest one for pc is um yeah the latest one on xbox is the uh the lithoids which is rock people okay um and uh that only came out i think last week week before for for stellaris and that although it doesn't sound that interesting um they i mean they did release like a a little bit of a overhaul when it came to like civs in that game um with it like can, can i can i just correct you on something just quickly yes. um so you, so you said that the latest bit of dlc the xbox version has got is the, is the lithoid species pack that, that um, is the latest one unless there's one that's come out even more recently than that that i haven't seen well i was going to say there's been three bits of dlc that have released since then three yeah Please three. explain so to me first, what these are, and then I will explain to you why I do not have them. <laughs> so, so last year, um, there was the in March last year, there was something called Stellaris Federations, um, which added. Are you sure uh, you're looking at the Xbox and not the? Um, I'm looking at Steam. I'm looking so at Steam. So you're looking at right. So yeah. So that's the PC stuff. No, the PC. Yeah, yeah. What PC I'm saying Stellaris is Stellaris and Xbox Stellaris are currently at two different levels. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's what I was going to say, is that I, and because you said on the Xbox version, Lithoids is the latest one, and I was yes. saying that, and I was going to go ahead and say, so you've got, there's, so at the moment, the Xbox version is three bits of DLC behind the, and the PC version. It's three bits of DLC and a whole load of updates behind the PC version. Um, yeah. So the PC version at the moment actually has a lot of things on it that we want for Xbox. Um, one of them being you can choose uh, how your spaceships fly, like how they mm -hmm. travel from one system to another. So obviously the, the default thing in Stellaris is uh, hyperlanes through space. And they're, mm -hmm. they're little, basically lines on a map that connect to different systems together. Um, now, there is, I think they said they've introduced three or two other separate drive systems that you can pick uh i don't know whether you pick it for your civilization or you pick it for the map that you play in to begin with mm. um like when you first set up the 
the galaxy when you're playing um but you you choose it essentially and i think the the, another one is warp drive that just it takes a certain amount of time for them to get from one system to another and then there is another one that i can't remember (laughs) but they they basically they they introduced multiple different ways of traveling and that the way when they did that that completely changed sort of the the combat of the game for a lot of people because suddenly Mm. you're not trying to take over a system because it's only got one line out to the enemy um you're Mm. actually having to bolster like your entire border as opposed to just strategic points and uh, so I, i think that that update is something that we really want and apparently it's coming to xbox soon but i'm not sure but yeah if as, as we said you know there's there's loads of updates and ridiculous as we said loads of dlc that xbox is far behind on with yes. regard to the steam version yes i mean yeah so like like i was saying about the the lithoids like it doesn't seem like it's a, a lot so like like i said mm-hmm. it's about a 10 10 quid for the the dlc and yeah. a, a lot of it you look at it and you're like oh okay so i get to have a new player card and get to make up a new backstory cool what's the big deal now, that's only the way they advertise it. When you actually get down to mm. playing it, it is a completely different playstyle. I, I I started up, basically as soon as I downloaded it, um, we ended up doing a I, I did a stream with Ronnie and James. Um, unfortunately, cut shorts. My internet broke. Other other story. Um, but like, I decided that I was going to play them as that, like play a Lithoid faction, because I wanted to explore it and because i'd just downloaded it and it was new and i thought it'd be really cool um and there there was so much more that was added to it that i just i wasn't shown in any of the advertisements or the explanations for the actual dlc itself um Mm. so like like, instead of colony ships because they're the lithoids they're they are rock essentially they are rock beings then they Mm. don't consume food they consume minerals and stuff like that um, but because they're rocks, the way that you colonize another planet is by forming up several of these beings into one massive rock in space and then shooting said rock like a meteor at the other planet. <laughs> and then they fly down, smash into the planet, and that mm. then is, you've colonized it. And like they they get their own buffs and stuff like that. So like lithoids are stronger than the average uh, humanoid or whatever. And it yeah. So like they, there's a they add a lot more than what they advertise. And I think it's one of those things where if you don't know the game and you're just looking at it as a piece of DLC, going, oh that just looks expensive to get a new essentially a new skin, then it's not worth it. But if yeah. you've played the game and know how this stuff can interact and how I think it, it does change things. I, I wanted to say a couple of things on this, right? So first of all, I'm just looking up at the... I don't know, how much is that? No, Mark's off. We want the, the English version. Um, I'll see that later. So I'm just trying to find the, the price comparison. So you said that the lithoids um, is about £10. So on, so I, I, think, yeah, I think you might be a bit off. Um, it's listed on Steam as being five seventy nine, and on Xbox in dollars as seven as seven dollars nineteen. So I'd say it's probably around the same price. Yeah. Um, 
I, I looked because I thought that's a lot of money to be playing to be paying for a picture pack. Basically. You see, yeah, um, but you don't play Stellaris, do you? No. Yeah, so th- this is this is what my my point was. Like, for people that because, what, because, don't because... play it would wouldn't get it, and then if you play it, you actually understand that these DLCs do bring extra bits that are just not advertised. Because Paradox literally describes it as the Lithoid species pack features a selection of new rock-based species portraits and ship models for player um, players who take nothing for granted. Yes. Um, that is yeah no. <laughs> it brings like, so much more than that. <laughs> like so, so, I wanted to note that. Okay, the other thing is that so I've just had a look. They kind of scale this. It seems the portrait or the sorry the species packs um, are just under six quid each. The Federation's pack, which is meant to be the next one that's coming to the consoles, is just under sixteen quid. And then there's another species pack. Um, I mentioned that the console version was four behind i need to correct myself as of the time of recording the stellaris nemesis dlc hasn't released yet um yes that comes out it comes out on the 15th but when that does release as assuming that the xbox version won't have the federations pack by then um we won't then the xbox will be four behind yes so hang on hang on i can look at that list i've got that list up too so, we have everything up to Megacorp. Oh, okay. So, the Necroid Species, the Federation's Nemesis, we don't have any of those. But yeah. Megacorp was the last big one. So, like I said, so, yeah. So, there's big DLC, which is like the Megacorp, Apocalypse, uh, Utopia, which come with massive changes to the game. So, um, mm. they added, like, Ascension perks and stuff like that, which can... Uh, progress your factions forward and stuff um, to certain levels Uh, Hmm. and they actually they affect the world around you and what spawns in in that world and different they added like a hundred odd different storylines in there and it's not a hundred odd but it's a lot Um, yeah okay and that with the big ones it it does bring a hell of a lot like the, the Megacorp stuff that added an entire new um style of civilization okay um it basically it made it so you could have an entire civilization based around being just one big um company as opposed mm-hmm. to being just a, a civilization with a government and stuff you had like yeah um a board of executives and uh a ceo was in charge and you could make like trade deals that uh, like benefit you a bit more and stuff like that it was it was a lot the megacorp stuff is a lot more based around money and stuff like that um and so it it added so much to it and like the one before that apocalypse added uh i think it was stuff i haven't i've not ever managed to get to yet because it's all late game (laughs) stuff but it's like yeah mega structures um i think one of them uh, i mean you get titans and uh colossus ships which you can put Weapon X um, weapons onto it, which basically mm-hmm. are like planet crackers. So you go, you go okay. up to a planet, you shoot the planet, planet just explodes. Um, yeah. I know my mate Greg likes to use those because he, he doesn't like he doesn't build armies. He just waits until he gets to the late game, and then goes around and blows up everybody else's planets. But yeah, so like the the big ones really do bring a lot. So when it comes to like the um, the price on those it it, it would make sense mm. 
Um, I, I want to say, so, I want to, so we've um, talked a little bit about what you've been playing recently. Um, use a nice professional segue. Speaking of space games, um, <laughs> we've had a couple of bits of uh, news come out over the past couple of days regarding um, Elite Dangerous's Odyssey yes! um, expansion. Yes! That's, re- that's going to be releasing. Now, to give some context here, um, Tom, you play a lot of Elite Dangerous, don't you? Um, well, I did. Let, let's. I'm not going to lie here. I haven't played Elite Dangerous in about... Well, I think I haven't played Elite Dangerous this year. Let, let's let's say that. But I did okay. play quite a lot of Elite Dangerous. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the reason I stopped playing is I just I don't know. I ended up. It's one of those things when there's a large group of you, you all sort of like migrate between certain games. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It it's just one of those things, and I I just I haven't managed to get back to playing it um, in a long while. Uh, I think is all, but I I saw about this new Elite Dangerous Odyssey um, DLC and I got rather excited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so yeah, that's 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 the con- that's the context and and also for context, I I played Elite Dangerous a bit when it first came out um, and stopped quite quickly because I could never I couldn't figure out the travel I couldn't figure out the the um, the piloting controls it always <laughs> always ended up either either my ship standing still or me firing from crashing into a planet um yeah yarn did the same thing uh except he managed to both run out of fuel and explode at the same time yeah i don't yeah. know how he did um, it yeah and with regard to the Elite dangerous odyssey DLC, i did see a little bit basically what they released as the teaser um at the pc gaming show uh last year um so i know a little bit about about this dlc now from what I understand, Tom, of this news that came out um, a couple of days or a day ago at this point, there's a bit of an issue with the Alpha with the Alpha expansion, isn't there? Apparently so, yes. Of the Odyssey expansion, which is yes, so. apparently so. So the the it is the the expansion itself is in Alpha at the moment because purely it's essentially another game. It isn't. Mm just an expansion it's an, it's an expansion because it's coming second and it's because it's not another it's not a game of itself it is just an it is essentially an add-on for this one um it's it's more of a merge of two games so the the expansion is still an alpha the whole premise of it is that you technically if you have this expansion um would not have to own your own spaceship at all like mm at all at all you would be able to complete all of the jobs um you'd be able to do all the story whatever um and you'd be actually be able to complete the game without ever owning your own spaceship Mm. without ever setting foot on the cockpit of your of a spaceship or anything like that you wouldn't have to do any of that um they've added that much in that you'd basically because it for those that don't know the odyssey expansion is essentially if you've played Elite Dangerous, you know you can't get out of your cockpit. And I know a lot of people, me included, have sat there and gone, well, they're walking around. Why can't I get out? Yeah. So it's a bit... It got it got frustrating, but it was one of those things. You just sort of accepted it because it is the game. And at no point did they say you could get out ever. When they, like The devs never said this, so it was just accepted. Oh, eventually. Cool. We're not getting out. Now they've said with odyssey and stuff um 
that yeah you can get out of your ship now you can walk around I, I don't think it's all stations but you can walk around most stations and not and according to some um at least teased uh, documents you could be able to get down on planets and stuff as well yeah so the the planet side stuff i think that was one of the first expansions they had for elite dangerous um which yeah. basically because when the game first came out um it was literally you went from station to station to station in space um the yeah. the planet side stuff came out and suddenly you're like oh cool so now we can fly down and land on planets that's awesome we can do that that is a thing and then with the planet side stuff they also added in uh planet rovers so you can go down you can land your ship and then you can like drive around on this planet surface in like a, a rover car thing which i thought was really cool and then this is basically just taking that idea and going that extra step further of you're no longer needing technology to do stuff you like your character customization could actually matter now and stuff like that like you can you're going to be able to walk around like it's not just going to be a menu now i think they're still keeping the like you the old way as well so you can like i said you can go the whole game without owning um your own ship you're also going to be able to just stick to the way it is at the moment you don't have to get off your ship to do any of this the menus for doing it all will still be on board the ship and so you can just do what you have to do at the moment which is you sit there on a menu and you click through and you get your missions that way you can do it that like that apparently the way they've said it it it's not it it doesn't affect the gameplay either way it's just down to personal preference which to me sounds awesome um but yeah they so they've created stations like interiors with these people in them as opposed to just like um voice messages between the two of you so yeah it, it looks great i mean you can it means you can go and you can get passengers um and stuff like that it seems a bit easier that way it will also allow you uh which is one of the big things that's come up um like i said you don't have to step um step foot on anything that you own taxis are a thing to get from one station to another, uh, should you wish to leave the one that you're on uh, without using your own um, ship. Yes. And they have been slated. <laughs> yes, that's the that's the um, one thing of this. So I'm per- uh, personally looking at a rock paper shotgun um, article. Oh on this. dear. <laughs> um, now the first thing that uh, the article reads is that um, Frontier has shared a statement on the common complaint uh, from its earliest adopters, that being that, um, and its responses being that space taxis aren't going to get any faster. Because apparently they're very, very slow. I think it is, it's one of those things where they've said, like I said, everything I've just said has come from when they, uh, roughly around when they first announced it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the taxi service to get from one station to another, yeah, it's there. You can do it. It's a thing. That's fine. The issue is that it takes a long period of time, and I think it'll. I think it takes even longer depending on how far you want to go, as well. Mm. Like I think distance is a is a thing, and so it. I think it might be one of their their things to say, well, you can travel like this, 
but we recommend you get your own ship. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the the taxi service as well, it sounds like they avoid anywhere that could potentially be dangerous. Mm. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, with these big expansions? Um, and we saw it with uh, No Man's Sky. Oh, I can't remember what, what their major expansion was called. Um, but we saw it with that, you know, with these big expansions that it allowed things that players love and also things that players hate. Uh, and because it's completely changed, especially with something like Elite Dangerous, because it's changed up the nature of the gameplay, you know, from being sat in, like, from when it first launched, you were just sat in the ship. Um, one of my favorite ways I heard Elite Dangerous uh, described was your space Del Boy. Um, <laughs> and yes, yeah, so you've gone from that to, oh, you can go on planets, but you're in basically um, your own Mars rover. Yeah. Um, and then to this, which from from what i've been reading it seems like they're basically on right it's but we're basically transporting um mass effect into into elite dangerous mm. um which i mean I'm, I'm all for like any any proper space exploration games um are properly kind of like my kind of bag yeah and that being said however the idea of what frontier have done here releasing in alpha uh are we sure that's a good idea like because my thing is you know obviously that you know they've had problems as, as, as we can see from the offset with, you know, players jumping in and going, oh, this is crap. Now, whether they release it now for because they want to develop it according to player feedback, I personally, like, I can't say to any of that. Um, I mean, it feels like it's that that's the way they're going, especially because, I mean, like I said, this is essentially another game. They've, it doesn't, it's not, with the amount of stuff they've put into it, um, it is essentially just it's a, it's like their second game. It's essentially uh, Elite Dangerous Two, mm. but instead of making Elite Dangerous Two, they've just mashed it into one game. And so I, I feel like they need to have player feedback to be able to progress it forwards to make it something that's worth it. Because mm. they they've already got a massive player base that love the game. Yeah, yeah. So they don't want to get rid of that. I've just been reading this. Um, I've just gone to the um, bottom of this uh, RPS um, article. And it notes something actually quite interesting that I, I mentioned, you know, it's interesting to me that they release it as an alpha. So it seems what they're going to be doing with Odyssey is releasing it is in four stages um, to roll out the features of this big expansion. And the second stage is going to be on probably the stand like the most talked about feature of this expansion which is f- uh, tackling combat exploration and compatibility with the base game now that i imagine is probably where most of the issues are going to come up yeah you know you know we've already seen you know they've had they've been com- um complaints and criticism with regard to the way this has been this alpha has been rolled out i can only imagine how much they're going to get when the combat form of this or side of this expansion gets properly rolled out because that's when people are going to go a bit bonkers um with going around basically griefing each other yeah i don't know it it sounds i mean it sounds fun i reckon it's going to be great when it's finished yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's when it's done, is it should it could be it's okay. It's just it's it's the journey of getting there, and how people will respond to it. Because Elite Dangerous has always been driven by the players from yeah. the offset. It was when I first saw it. It was oh, what year is it? Twenty twenty one. 
So that would have been oh, it was a 2015 to 2016 game, wasn't it? So, yeah, it came out 2016, which means, yeah, I would have seen it. EGX 2017 in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. They had a massive booth, and the developers, they had a small team from the team of developers at EGX talking to the players. Yeah. And that they had a massive area where they had a little booth to talk about it, and then everywhere else they just had cockpits set up for people to play Mm -hmm. and at that point it was just a um it was essentially an arena based um fighter space fighter shooter Mm. it was it was all combat at at that point yeah um or at least the way they were marketing it at that point was combat based um it wasn't until a few years later when i actually got it that i realized that there was a lot more to it and I feel like this might be one of those things where they get everybody to focus on certain areas. Mm. And then once you start playing it, you then realize, oh, wait, there's a lot more to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have to you know, wait and see how the rest of the role of this of this expansion goes. Um, as you say, you know, it's got potential. You know, there's a lot of features in there that could be proper good fun, you know, could tempt me to go back to Elite Dangerous. But... Yeah, it's the... I don't think you're ever going to come back unless you figure out how to fly properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, like, if we go on to... Because I do want to talk about a couple of other stories that we've, um, that we've lined up uh, that we think could be... Um, we want to basically discuss. Okay. So, I think we I think we should get, get this one out of the way first, Tom. Something I've been really hesitant to even acknowledge the existence of. Cyberpunk! Yeah. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077. Now, there's been a couple of bits of news on this game um, over the past week. Yes. Um, so, uh, the first one is um, per videogamer.com. A standalone Cyberpunk 2077 multiplayer game has been cancelled by CDPR. Um, now, obviously, there was, I believe there might even still be, uh, multiplayer stuff embedded in Cyberpunk, isn't there? Right. About that. <laughs> Because, because that, because from what from what I remember before it was even released, that's where, because um, people were making excuses and going, oh, that's where the that's where the Microsoft actions are going to be, so it's fine. Yeah. So then. there was a lot of talk right from the beginning where it was going to essentially become the new GTA, um, and it yeah. was going to be Cyberpunk was going to be the new thing. You're going to have massive multiplayer servers where everybody can join and run around and shoot people and basically have a fun old time within Night City with each other and then it wasn't and it was just going to be you and your friends that could join you and the small groups Mm. now it sounds like multiplayer is not actually going to be a thing at all which would make sense giving cdpr's track record of making predominantly single player titles yeah so they that They've never really stuck to an exact multiplayer style in the past for this game, ever. Um, Tom, CDPR, not sticking to something they previously said, you don't say. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so they, 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 it's just, they basically said, yeah, we're not entirely sure we're even going to go down the multiplayer route anymore. I think they've just, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they just decided they're not, they're not doing it, I think. Because 
of all the other stuff they have to fix and things. Um, so that I think that they just decided they're not doing it at all in the end. Yeah, I, I want to get onto a quick discussion about this because obviously, you know, the other bit of news that um, Tom, you're going to um, talk about is the fact that CDPR have said that they're not going to, um, just correct me if I'm wrong here, they said they're not going to um, discuss details or show any show anything regarding a game until it's very close to release. Yes, so... Is, is, the, is the stance they're taking a, as now. A, as a thing, they are not going to be marketing any AAA development games um, until incredibly close to like when they release them i think it's Mm. basically they just want to cover themselves and so that that basically what happened with cyberpunk doesn't happen again where they say oh it's so close we're almost finished and then oh no wait we'll have to push it back a year Well, what's incredible is that um, so on this video gamer article i've got regarding the the dlc being or some the multiplayer being cancelled excuse me um they, as all videogamer.com articles do, they have a little bit, a bit of a side discussing um, or ha- with the game, basically, it's basic, basic synopsis. And it's got its first release date as the 1st of January 2018. <laughs> I wish, I wish videogamer.com, I wish that's when it came that, out so people would stop talking about the Honestly, that was, that was initially, it's supposed to be, <laughs> that's when it was supposed know, to be released. I know, but what, I know, but what I'm saying is that it's, it because it's its <laughs> first released on the 1st of January, it's like, yeah. Hang on a minute. I think you need to go two and a half years later. I need to need to re- revisit that article and get that changed. Yeah. No, an initial need release. To, need to update the synopsis for the, for the game. Initial yeah. release. That is correct. Um, but like I said, they 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 pushed it back two and a half years. Initial intended release yeah. date. We should say not not initial right. release because initial release was like November December 20, 2020 Something like that. Yeah. No, it, was, it would have been November. Yeah. It was around November because it was around the same time that Valhalla came out. Because mm-hmm. I got them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to have a discussion. I want to talk about this right about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I thought now, you didn't want to acknowledge its existence. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've got we've got to talking about it, and I think if I address it here, then that means I won't have to address it going okay. forward. I can just ignore it in any future podcast, and, it, and you and Jack can okay. talk about it, um, and I can just turn okay. my ears off for a bit. Hit so, me. right. So let's let's just get the let's get everything put our cards on the table for a second here. So Tom, you've played Cyberpunk a fair bit, haven't you? Um, a reasonable amount, let's say. I've I've played a reasonable mm. amount of it. Yes. You've you've got a you've got a Let's Play series that's still going. Yeah, on. Um, yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, and you know, invariably, any time I'm I'm on Xbox, I will see you probably playing Cyberpunk. Maybe at least for, I at haven't least... like. Yeah, I think this is another one. I haven't played that in the past two months. I've I've been really busy recently, so I haven't played it recently. But I, it was it used to, it was definitely one that you I'd see you and um a lot of others. I know playing fairly recent fairly ben frequently. Has completed it four times, start to finish, yeah. and he still plays it quite regularly. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's Tom, and as and I believe you found it relatively entertaining right um yes from the perspective that i knew what i was walking into yeah yeah now to give some context for myself um as i've mentioned already as a wannabe member of the game press given how much i knew about cyberpunk with everything surrounding with cdpr flip-flopping 
and it's public and um, in its public admittance of forcing crunch on its on its work staff on the flip-flopping of whether there was going to be a microtransaction in it, on the flip-flopping and not really addressing of the treatment of trans characters and also the treatment of their workers being absolutely horrific and they're not properly acknowledging it. Um, and then on top of that, obviously what we saw at the beginning of the year, which was them being sued by one of their investors, um, rightly so, I should add, because... The entire time they were marketing Cyberpunk 2077, they used the Xbox uh, One, or sorry, Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, and PC footage, and not that of the Xbox Three, uh, the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 versions, which were buggy, visually ugly pieces of trash. Um, and even to this day, it's riddled with bugs. It's completely buggered. I've seen lots of footage in which the you know the cars instead of travelling on the road they just run halfway through a barrier and all the bodywork falls off. Still not fixed, apparently, that bug. So that's that's the cards on the table. You know, that's don't, where we stand with regard to Cyberpunk. Don't forget you can turn yourself into a um, drinks machine as well. That's a, that's a key one. Did Michael Bay get on board and went, I need advertising for my old Transformers movies? Have you not heard about this? No. Oh, no it's a, a bug someone found. Oh, this is a while ago now. Um, if you drive a motorcycle fast enough at a very specific um, vending machine, uh, you end yeah. up just going inside it, and then you just drive around as a vending machine. What did I say about it being a colossally bucky piece of it's shit? It's funny, because um, basically <laughs> you get on the inside of the hitbox, so when you walk around, the hitbox just comes yeah. with you, and because the hitbox is Jesus. attached to uh, the drinks machine, that comes yeah. with you too. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so that's the context. That's the context of where Tom and I stand with regard to cyberpunk. Um, it's because I am nice you know, and positive, and I think the best of things and you are a cynical little man that decides that he hates everyone and everything first of all <laughs> love you sam <laughs> i'm sorry that i'm i'm sorry that i'm acknowledging the truth of the, of the world we live in no it's all sunshines and rainbows mate <laughs> Fla- um, clouds <laughs> and also little man yeah i know you're bigger than me i'm sorry pot pot kettle short ass <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think so. The multiplayer stuff first. Let's talk about the multiplayer stuff. Okay. As I said, that's what a lot of people were def- are defending, saying, "Oh, you know, the microtransaction's actually going to be that. It's going to be fine." Um, as we said, you know, it's not really a big issue with regard to Cyberpunk because you know CDPR make single-player games, and it was always odd to me that they were going to we're going to put out a multiplayer thing. Um, as you said, it was very much apparent, and they were trying to cash in on the GTA Online esque thing. Yes. Um, with regard to that news that um, you mentioned a little bit ago about them not going to use any marketing materials until um, close to release. Yes. Now, that is potentially the biggest problem with this and CDPR. Obviously, you know, I, I mentioned the whole thing of them using next-gen um, footage to promote a last-gen version that didn't actually work. That's the main problem this game has had. The reason so many people were so hyped up, including myself, I, I was excited for this up until probably January of last year. You know, I, I think, but you know, because of the amount of marketing stuff they're putting out and because, you know, they kept on reminding us, you know, don't forget, this is Cyberpunk 27. It's coming out soon. It's going to be really good. Um, you know, they, they did that for such a long time. You know, 
it burnt people out and the whatever the final result of the game or sorry final product was going to be it would a never live up to people's expectations truly and second of all because they'd had so much hype because they bought into the hype train they would we would likely defend it because you know they got on board with the hype train they didn't want to feel like they wasted their money or been a fool for following this game and hoping it would be good for two years for even longer than that yeah i mean there is also obviously the um as you say you know it's likely that they've done this you know to to basically cover their asses um for they got sued uh, by one of their own investors for um for doing with cyberpunk now i am personally of the thought you know there is a i believe it was the uh, main developer main head of the studio behind Star Citizen. Star Citizen and Squadron 42. <laughs> oh god, we're going this route, are we? Okay. No, well let, well, let me finish, because I, I remember covering this at the beginning of the year. They said that they weren't going to show any um, footage or any marketing materials up until the game is ready to go. Now, there is a, a, like two sides to this. First of all, it's okay, yeah, they're doing what they're thinking what at least their thought process may be what um, CDPRs is, is that, you know, let's try and manage the expectations here. The other side of it is it saves the artists from any scrutiny. If we look at Star Citizen specifically in Squadron 42, there is a lot of money that's been, like a metric shit ton of money that's been pumped into that game um, via Kickstarter. Yeah. And people buying the ships. So, like, it almost seems like trying to hold off on the basically trying to hold off on the backlash for kind of like, okay, we'll wait further down the line until we've got maybe something that might end up matching the expectations or getting close to them that we set out. I think it's also, you know, it's very clear what I, what I, I think, you know, I think it's also the case that, as you said, you know, as much as you mentioned an insult, I am, I'll admit, I'm quite a cynical individual when it comes to the, to the games I said industry. it with love. Mate, I mean... I want, I want it. Did, I want was it, it really? I, I said it with love. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, but potentially, you know, I, I will acknowledge that's maybe partly because I have looked into the dark, dark roots of this industry and all the just disgusting stuff that happens. Recently, Activision laid off another two hundred members of staff, yeah, whereas... and then gave Bobby Kotick a two hundred million dollar raise, and then have gone. Actually, we want more staff to work on more games. Well done, Activision. You tax dodging bunch of meh. Whereas I like to ignore it and look at the games yeah. themselves you like to bury your head in the sand correct um, but, correct yes i i don't but, look into it that much what i'd like to say is with regard to these situations so you know I, I i'm aware that because of my ramblings we've got away from the point a little bit here tom with regard to a first step with the multiplayer what are your thoughts on because you mentioned a little bit obviously you mentioned that it's probably that they're cashing in on the gt online thing do you think that kind of game because obviously i haven't played it you have would that have lent itself do you think to a multiplayer i think it would have been really good if they'd done it that way um but it was one of those things that they needed to fix the game first and i think they've yeah, they've yeah. come to realize that actually there's need to put so much work into making uh, so much time and effort into making it work like that that it actually at this point isn't worth it and then in regard to the they know about CDPR, as we said, delaying um, when they'll show footage. How, how do you feel on that? Because it's something that, as I said, I feel quite strongly about with regard to how it ends up affecting the the general discourse around the industry. From your point of view, what do you think? Um, well, I mean, it's it adds a little bit of mystery to it. Like, the, So basically what they've put out on their Twitter 
is they literally it's just a it's an image of a side by side of um the two like the witcher's back essentially with like the the armor and the two swords and then the yeah. on the other side it's the leather jacket from cyberpunk with the flaming skull on the back then it, it's mm-hmm. basically those two pictures side by side and over the top of it it says parallel AAA development to start in 2022 so they've been really cryptic about what they're doing but they yeah. are saying stuff is happening so it sounds like they're either doing one of these two, or they go in completely off the rails, and the lead designer is insane. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just—I don't know. It adds a bit of—it um, adds a bit of mystery, I think, to it. I think it's definitely—it'd be better for the fans, I think, as well. Like th- this cyberpunk thing isn't going to go away, unless. The people that are talking about it can then be distracted by something that they've done well. Uh-huh. So I think this isn't going to go away until they produce something decent yeah. um, and that is a hundred percent finished. I mean, like I said, I like Cyberpunk, but it isn't fin. It is broken, and it isn't finished. I like it, but you y- you know, I-, I like it enough to accept that it's not. I like. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not looking at it like, like you say um, about everyone getting in on the hype and defending it and stuff like that. No, it is broken. What they have at the moment is good. It can keep me entertained for a bit, but it's not finished and it's it is broken and it needs it needs yeah. sorting. Now they're saying that. So that tweet was released thirtieth of March, at quarter to five in the afternoon. That was basically saying that another development is in in uh, in process in process or has begun. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing that as well as trying to fix Cyberpunk, which, hmm. if you will allow me, will lead us into another thing of the fact that uh, CD Projekt Red have confirmed that um, the expansions and DLCs for Cyberpunk 2077 are still going ahead. They are still yeah, going yeah. to be creating DLC and expansion content for Cyberpunk. Well, I, I wanted just quickly to note one quick thing that I've just um, that's just come to my mind. You mentioned there that what CDPR claim they're going to be doing from now on with regard to new games is more of the, you know, teasers and stuff yeah. like that. Um I wonder if they looked at what Bethesda have done for the last couple of, or for the last decade, decade and a half, and gone. So their games, they do teasers. Like all they do up until release is pretty much teasers. Yeah, like the um, the um, new uh, Elder Scrolls game that's coming out that nobody knows anything about. That yeah, I'm really excited. They've for. literally just done a. They, yeah, they've literally their marketing for Elder Scrolls Six is literally just a panning shot of mountains. Um, some it's landscape. just mountains, Sam. It's yeah, mountains yeah. and songs. That's all it is. And a bit of, and a bit of shoreline. Let's be fair. I um, want it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. That's that's the thing I'm tr- I'm trying to get at. Is you know, I wonder if they've seen that for the most part that's been Bethesda's marketing. Yes, obviously for stuff like I mean, you know, Fallout Four they had the they had the Vault Dweller wandering through the yeah um through the wasteland for Skyrim they've had the cinematic stuff and like pat but all they've like for Skyrim many, they had the odd panning how shot. How many 
Bethesda games have you played that you hated that were thoroughly broken and unfinished? One. Well, there you go. They recovered from it, and they now only release finished things. No, well... Or see... which one are you talking about? Are you are you talking about 76? Some... Yeah, yes, I, I am. Yeah, I yes. so. <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to get that at, is was that rushed, from what I remember, the most that um, Bethesda have shown of a game was their biggest flop. Yes. And that's what I was trying to get at, is I wonder if CDPR have looked at the way Bethesda marketed um, Fallout 3 and 4 and then have marketed the Elder Scrolls franchise and gone, what they've done is mainly teasers and like very small bits of gameplay. Yeah. Whereas we've shown, like we've done full gameplay trailers, we've done all that kind of stuff. And what did it do? It kind of, it exposed us a bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that partly ties into the the nature of video game marketing, with regard to with something like a movie um, or a TV show. That obviously, you know, you can just chop out bits of the the show and just put it in a trailer. It'll get the excitement, but it's already in there. You don't need to do anything else. With with video games, you need to create something entirely different because the rest of the Basically, because the development team is still in progress of making the game, yeah, and trying to get a vertical slice is incredibly difficult in this modern AAA games industry. Um, you know, you look at the way that Watch Dogs, the original one, was marketed. You know, they very, very prettied it up, and then when it came out, oh, hang on a second, it's a, it's a buggy. It ugly was piece of so garbage. clunky. Oh my god, I couldn't play it. Yeah, I, I, I literally, yeah. I played it for like an hour and then just gave up, and I've never played it since. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I, well, I was riding is, a motorbike that... and I collided with a truck, and the truck flew. Yeah, it's like what? Watchdogs one was very, very bad, yeah. very, very buggy, and very, and not at all what um, people had thought because of the marketing, because of the way Ubisoft had marketed the that game. Yeah. Um, now I hear the newer one is on much, much better. Watchdogs two is fantastic. I loved that. I thought it was really, really good. Watchdogs Legion. Much like Cyberpunk, there's a lot of stuff surrounding it that is that made me very hesitant to to play uh, okay. it. I'll be honest. Um, now I do want to touch on that a little bit later, but yeah. let's just finish on the Cyberpunk stuff for a minute. Yes, so, if we look at you know, you said that they look to be going forward, probably developing Cyberpunk and Witcher um, side by side, probably you know, continuing the current development, uh, and obviously Cyberpunk, all the new updates are coming out, and the DLC is going to come out. Yes. Um, and then working on a witch shot at the same time. Right. So with that, I was going to ask you before you before before you jump on that, not necessarily a Witcher title. Now it's like I said, it was hinted at, and everybody has taken it as yeah. they're hinting at it. But uh, there has been no confirmation anywhere that it is actually happening. All they've said is that there is parallel AAA development uh, in twenty twenty two. They're not saying what it is. They're not saying what it's to do with they're just saying parallel is happening and then they implied that it was something to do with cyberpunk and witcher with the image in the background there is no confirmation anywhere they're very they're being very secretive about it yeah um so on that i was going to say so with this you know with the whole thing of parallel because i'm not entirely sure how larger team cdpr are there now the reason i say that is because i i wonder if um, going forward, as these are, as you say, um, 
do a parallel AAA development, I wonder if we're going to start getting smaller games from CDPR. Um, potentially. So they can manage the workload between the teams. Because I, I, I'd imagine that going forward, we're going to have... Because, you know, I imagine they probably did have, you know, um, a lot of early work being done by a CDPR team. And then the at the same time, obviously, they had all the DLC and stuff coming out for The Witcher 3. Yeah. Um, I wonder if while, you know, they've set themselves up a big, big challenge with C- uh, with Cyberpunk. I wonder if they're going to, you know, so this portion of the team is going to go off on Cyberpunk. Let's make some smaller stuff for the time being, whether it be set in the Witcher universe, whether it be, you know, a completely new IP, whatever it may be. Well, I mean, I'm, right, so I'm on, I'm on their website at the moment and they have got a section on there that says games. Yeah. And it's got Gwent, Thronebreaker, The Witcher mm-hmm. Tales, Witcher 1, Witcher yeah. 2, Witcher 3, Cyberpunk, and then The Witcher Adventure Game. So I think it says a lot about what they're representing on their website about where they're going to go with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what? Six out of the seven titles are Witcher-based. Mm. So, like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with probably doing the smaller games purely because, mm. I mean, the Gwent stuff, that's a multi-platform uh, card game that they've been uh, doing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as to sorry just looping back as to what you were saying about you don't know how big their team is uh they have yeah. multiple offices so probably quite large okay okay i i had i had this in this idea that it was a quite a small team so uh, so actually in hindsight One, as you say two, they're probably already already managing that quite well with regard to you know management of teams um between cyberpunk and Five different offices. Uh, Cyberpunk and Cyberpunk and Witcher development. Yeah, I'm counting five separate offices in five separate separate con- uh, countries uh, on the website. Okay, so okay. large team. Let's go with large team. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, so, have got any more things to talk about? Uh, sorry, any things you'd like to say on Cyberpunk? So, there's a couple of other stories I want to get to. Um, no, not really. I mean, with respect, uh, in respect to. CD Project Red. Um, if it is a new Witcher title, I'm excited. <laughs> Gives me more reason to finally get to push the ending to uh, Witcher Three because I, I still haven't finished okay. that, but I'm yeah. excited. So yeah. Mm, mm. Um, next thing I want to talk about was something I actually mentioned a little bit earlier uh, when we were mentioning when uh, around the time that Cyberpunk came out. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla came out. Now, Val, the news is that Valhalla's narrative director, Darby McDevitt, has uh, departed Ubisoft Montreal. Sad times ahead. Now, yes, in, in, indeed, for fans of that. Again, I just need to quote a, a funny little thing on the... Um, again, I mentioned earlier the little um, videogamer.com side thing. Uh, this one has Valhalla first released the 1st of January, 1970. <laughs> oh, Yes. Sort your website out, videogamer.com. Um, do you reckon they're doing it on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly. But why, why would they do it for that? Like, it's a... 1970 is... Um, hang, hang on, I need like, to search like, this now. It's set in Viking time. I need to search this now. I'll, 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 let me drop the, the link to the, uh, the Valhalla. Yes, send me, send me the link to Valhalla. Yeah, I've, I've dropped it in, and that also on the same page has the side point once so you'll be able to see that. Um, I wonder what it has for because there's a Warzone article next to it. I wonder if that oh, that has it. That has it as the 10th of March 2020 Warzone. 
How bizarre. I don't know why they've done that. I suppose it's, it's just an, uh, like something they overlooked. Oh, I hope so. What's, what is this? Is that when they've said it's set? No, it's it's so first release. First release on the first of January. First January. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> that's if that's from if that's from nineteen seventy, bloody hell games have gone backwards. But I mean they've got it right though. <laughs> PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PlayStation 5, uh, Xbox Series X, Google Stadia as well. They've even yeah. put a stadia on there, and yet it's re- first released back then. My god, I need to search this now. 1970 Valhalla. <laughs> I need to know. I need to know. There is nothing. There is absolutely... I mean, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Um, but anyway, I was going to say, just on this on this thing of um, Darby McDevitt's uh, left, he put out a statement on Twitter that read, um, Today is my last day at Ubisoft Montreal. After a decade of working with brilliant people, creating stories and characters... Um, for an incredible series and uh, interacting with our wonderful fans I've decided to uh, set forth on a new adventure a special thanks to all the fans and content creators that have supported and expanded on our work for over uh, for the years thank you for your kind attention um, you have my dearest respect and admiration uh, it's been the honour of a lifetime to get to know so many of you um, so that's the as I said the uh, narrative director of uh, Valhalla departing Ubisoft Montreal. Tom, you mentioned a little bit earlier, obviously you have also picked up um, Valhalla. Yes. With regard to, because I'd, I'd imagine there are, while some DLC is probably already in the can with regard to the story, going forward, because I, I believe he also worked on uh, Black Flag, do you think, how how majorly do you think he the narrative director's departure could impact the stories of Assassin's Creed titles going forward? Um... I'm not entirely sure. So with obviously with the Black Flag stuff, they brought out um oh well, it was more of a game extension than a DLC. It was um with all the oh I can't what's it called? The Adewale stuff. He went around yeah. saving slaves and st- such, didn't he? Um and that was essentially its own mini game, shall we say. It, it was it was an extension to Assassin's Creed 4. Mm. So if he so, if if he did if he worked on that and that was his sort of thing, then I'm not sure because if they do do it for Valhalla and stuff like they have done with the previous games. Well, I, I just want to clarify. Um, I've just had a look at his IMDb page with regard to what his, his contributions. So his so under his writing credits, he's got Lord of Rings, but Assassin's Creed, so Assassin's Creed to Discovery, Bloodlines, Revelations. He was the lead writer. Um, who was writing on Assassin's Creed Embers. He was lead scriptwriter on Black Flag, co-writer for Unity, uh, just says story by um, for the Ezio collection. Uh, he was additional writer for Origins and then narrative director with regard to Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Right, that changes a lot. Because <laughs> that's pretty much all of them. He's pretty much... Yes, so, so, he's, so he's missing out Odyssey, Syndicate... Rogue, three. So and basically, it feels Assass- Assassin's Creed across Assassin's Creed one, and Assassin's Creed two, and the smaller ones like the Liberations. Yeah. So, I actually enjoyed three. So if it's the person that did three is taking over the stories, I think. Yeah. I think it won't be too bad. However, Syndicate was an issue. <laughs> <laughs> the story for Syndicate was so not engaging. Mm. It just hurt to play. 
but me being me, as you've heard me say many a time, because it is a thing, I must finish it. Because it's Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed, I had to play it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I had to I had to get through it, so I, I did. But So can I I just want I just want to quickly clarify. I've just had a look at the sorry Matt, I just wanted to find out. So you said that you um you quite enjoyed Assassin's Creed 3's yes. story. I've had a look at the work of the two people who um who wrote Assassin's Creed yep. three. So Alex Hutchinson wrote only one the <laughs> Oh, that's, that's not a good sign, I don't think. So, that, um, as a writing credit, uh, Alex Hutchinson is noted to have written Journey to the Savage Planet, uh, Assassin's Creed 3, and Army of Two, The 40th Day. Right. And then uh, Corey May has written for written for the first... was uncredited for the first Assassin's Creed. Okay. Assassin's Creed Vengeance, uncredited, uh, was the writer on Batman Arkham Origins... Uh, what else was lead scriptwriter for Assassin's Creed Three, wrote for Revelations, Blood, um, Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Two, and also was the scriptwriter of scriptwriters for Army of Two, Assassin's Creed, and Prince of Persia. So stuff. if we get him, if we get Mister Corey there, and he becomes the next lead, then yeah. we're going to be fine. <laughs> um, can't say much to the other guy if he's because he's not obviously he's not done much. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. It depends on where they want to take it, because obviously they, they went down... Origins and Odyssey are both really weird games. In yeah. within, I mean, as games on their own, they're fine. But in comparison to the rest of the Assassin's Creed uh, IP, they are just weird. They make no sense. Everything's different. Suddenly there's, like, levels and stuff and gear scores... And it just, it was a bit weird. I mean, they have mm. carried that over into Valhalla, but they've taken the weirdness about it away. So, like, the gear mm. score is still there. The levels are still there. But it's more, they've done, it's more open world. So, okay. with the previous games, to keep you in specific areas of the map, they just block off the areas they didn't want you to go into with walls. Yeah. Um, and then on these big walls, it, that you could see them. They weren't invisible. They're big white walls with lines all over them. And every time you went near them, you'd get a notification saying this area is outside this memory or whatever. Because they wanted to keep it within yeah. universe, the memories of the person you were portraying. Now, they've taken away those walls. You can go wherever you want. But to stop you from going to specific places, they make the hostiles there considerably more dangerous towards you because mm. obviously you're a lower gear score uh, gear score has become a really big thing in the games industry recently <laughs> and when they did it with origins origins was weird odyssey got weirder and then they've taken i don't know i, I don't know how to explain what this weirdness is either like well, Odyssey got weirder, didn't it? Because it tried to do, um, like, go more into the RPG-esque thing yeah. than any of it before it. So it had a lot of kind of grinding and lots of that kind of point acquisition yeah. kind of thing. I mean, right. I'm just going to spoil the ending of AC3 here. Go on. So they, at the end of AC3, they kill off... Well, no. Desmond kills Lucy, and then Desmond gets himself killed. Now, these are the two characters that you follow all the way from the very, very first Assassin's Creed game. 
Hang on, hang in on. In modern... Lucy dies at the end of Brotherhood, doesn't she? Not Brotherhood. No, Revelations, sorry. Because Is it, it that one? Because obviously he, gra- he grabs the apple of Eden yeah. and stabs her in the yeah, gut. Yeah, it's Revelations, isn't it? I thought that was... Um, I don't know. Basically, these are the, like... There's a team of four that you follow from the very... Well, no. Lucy's in the very first one. You don't get to Sean and Rebecca until the second one. But mm. that team of four, they are the original team that you follow in modern day Assassin's Creed universe. You yeah. follow them essentially from the beginning all the way through. Suddenly Desmond dies. Lucy's already dead. Desmond's died. So Sean and Rebecca, just they just disappear. They're gone. We don't follow them anymore. Suddenly they've gone with a bit of uh, a dip. Uh, no, no, I'm coming to that. I know what you're about to say. Suddenly they, <laughs> okay. they, the game devs take a completely like off angle direction and decide that you the player are the person playing through somebody else's memories you the player you're not playing as a character that's going through somebody else's memories you the player are the person going through the memories and so everything in the modern day suddenly becomes first person and they did that for black Black flag Flag, liberations and uh rogue Mm. then suddenly we're doing stuff where in like unity and syndicate where there is no modern day but there is there's modern day stuff there are people talking to you over radios and through uh broken up webcams and stuff but that's it you don't do any moving around and working through modern day i think in unity the closest you get is you jump through animus portals that take you to different time zones and different memories which they've labeled the bleed through helix effect Mm. where you can jump to different times using this character. Uh, and at one point, you're jo- uh, climbing the Eiffel Tower during World War II, being shot at by Spitfires as a Renaissance uh, revolutionary assassin. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, those words don't go together at all. But in this context, they do. And then it got weird. Then it got to Bayek in Origins. And suddenly, we're now following a new character in modern day they went back to the roots they went back literally to the original for origins and they said we are now following in the modern day a new character and i don't know her name because Mm. i know nothing about her because you hardly spend any time with her but they've stuck with that Mm. same woman who basically is the new desmond who uh instead of going through her own genetic memories goes round to graves, digs up said graves, state takes genetic material from the bodies, and uses that to dive into memories. <laughs> and that's been what it's... It, that is what it's been for Origins. Uh, I haven't played Odyssey, so I can't say for Odyssey. I think it's probably the same. And Valhalla. Mm. And they have put so little effort into the modern day side of what's going on and focused so much on the story. I mean, I get it. It's Assassin's Creed, so you want to play a lot of the, like, historical stuff. That is what the majority of the game is. But taking away the modern-day element of it, especially once... Because this is all after as well. They linked um, the Watch Dogs games. So Watch Watch Dogs Mm. and Assassin's Creed all happen in the same universe. So they've linked the modern-day to another modern day game and then decided oh no wait we don't want to do we don't want to do modern day stuff 
the modern day stuff for these latest, the last three games, has been so minimal that it might as well have just not existed. Yeah. And so when it comes to it, like, I, I think especially, like I say, I haven't played Origins, but from what I've seen, it's just, it's that non-existent there that, like you say, it, it turned into more of an RPG. Like, you're, you're more actually playing as a, instead of playing a character who is observing memories or playing as yourself who is observing memories like they did in the middle for some some unknown reason you're now playing as the character in the time and that's very different that's a very different feel to observing memories yeah you have control over what that character does but it's i think it is definitely the the feel of now you're playing an rpg well that's just not assassin's creed yeah. Can I address one quick Please. thing? Please um, do. I've been talking a lot. Now, <laughs> it's all right. You and I, <laughs> it's just you and me. We've been talking quite a lot for long periods of time. That's unfortunate what this podcast mm-hmm. is. Um, you mentioned that the story of Syndicate was a bit all over the place. Yeah. yeah? What's quite interesting is I've had a look at the, the lead writer and the script and the lead script writer for those games, or for that game, I should say. So the, the writing credits for this, for the person who wrote Syndicate... Uh, Richard uh, Farris, I believe is how this gentleman's name is pronounced. Um, so he was the multiplayer story writer for Revelations and for Assassin's Creed 3. Then he went to become the lead writer for for uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue, continued on for Syndicate, uh, contributed to an sorry and contributed to Origins story. Now the lead scriptwriter has credits uh, of Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, Unity, in which they also was the uh, contributor as co-writer, scriptwriter for Syndicate, scriptwriter for uh, Watch Dogs 2, uh, so this is Russell uh, Lease, scriptwriter for Origins, lead scriptwriter for Far Cry New Dawn, and scriptwriter for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I don't know what to tell you. They they just made a bad one. <laughs> Everybody makes a bad one mm. sometimes, and yeah, yeah. Syn- Syndicate I think. I mean, list, listening to that list as well, I think having two writers that have got two very different styles, because they are two very different styles. I really enjoyed Rogue. I am really enjoying Valhalla. And that was mm. that's one by each of them. Like, they have got two very different styles And I can there, tell you that I... I putting them into a Can room. I tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed Watch Dogs 2. I thought the story in that yeah. was, was, actually, was actually pretty decent. So it's, as I said, it's I interesting it, that... I think it's two writers they've put in a room and they both wanted to take it a certain direction mm. and that direction is I, not the same as each other. I would other. like to point out, so those weren't, so on Syndicate, those weren't, there was about six writers and I think two, including, um, so along with Faris, there were an extra five writers and then script-wise, skip, script writing, there was an extra script writer alongside Lease. So it's interesting that they... That might have made the difference. Potentially, quite possibly. Yeah. So anyway, we, we I like we've kind of skipped over the whole um, McDevitt leaving uh, Ubisoft, but yeah, you know, we'll have to see how the stories from fu- for future Assassin's Creed go. As you say, they've gone a bit off the wall um, recently, so I wonder if yeah they'll bring on another one of the writers that was part of the um, the previous games, and we'll see how they get on with that one. Well, yeah, I mean, if they're using that um, Mr. Cor, I'm going to call him Mr. Corey because I can't remember May. his last name. Ah, Mr. May. No, that that just gets me confused with James May. <laughs> um, Mr. Corey, I'm sticking yeah. with it. If we get him for the fo- for the next few games, I mean, he's got the experience. He's been with the the team long enough. He's done the IP long enough that he he gets it, and he's done some really good ones. I mean, he wrote Brotherhood. You're saying he was part of the writing team for Brotherhood? Mm. 
I want another Brotherhood, please. <laughs> I want another one. I want, I want, I want, yeah. If, if, if we're doing, if he's doing, if it's him, then it'll be all right. What we don't want him to do is go out and bring in some guy that's never done it before and mess everything up. Uh, I hate to break it to you, Tom. I've just had a look at... They've just announced it, haven't they? God damn it! Not quite. <laughs> I've just had a look at Mr. Corey May and... Um... <laughs> so, obviously, the last one, the last script he contributed to was Syndicate back in 2015. He's actually now... Uh, the narrative director for um, Certain Affinity, a video game studio based in Austin, Texas. Okay, so it's not nope, him, then. He's completely out of... Out of <laughs> right, okay. Well, I don't know, then. I'm a bit worried now. Oh, God. Okay. They're helping co-develop Halo Infinite. You will turn that page off <laughs> right now. <laughs> we are not talking about Halo today. And, and they helped co-develop Halo 4. Oh, God. What have we done? Turn it off, <laughs> Sam. Stop. Stop. I'm not talking about Halo today. We will do that another time. I've got too many opinions mm. on that. A few more small things we wanted to get to. So we'll start. Didn't you want to talk about PUBG? About what? You wanted to talk about PUBG. Yes, yes. So there's PUBG news. So it's been announced that PUBG Lite is going to shut down at the end of April. Now, PUBG Lite is basically the less technically demanding version of the game. Because PUBG is, for some reason incredibly demanding on one's computer i don't know how they justify it given if we just look at the edit how it looks it makes no sense why it's um so demanding on on your hardware but i think it's a real it's a mixture of a real shame and also a bit of a dick move to say we're going to get rid of the version that demands less of your pc's hardware like you know with certain things for example with something like warzone COD Warzone or whatever, I think that there should be for you know a lot of games. Like I think um, Proven shouldn't soccer do it with Pez tw- uh, Pez Lite. Is you know release a less technically demanding version so more people can play your game. Yeah, I mean I know quite a few people that play it like the mobile version. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that falls under this, doesn't it? That the whole mobile system, and they're going to be very upset if well, I say if, yeah, PUBG Lite, yeah. It, it comes under that. So they're going to be very upset by the end of April when they go in, because they don't keep up with game yeah. news. So it, it's all just going to be turned off, and they'll be like, what? Oh, okay. So, yeah. It's a shame, really. Hang on. So I've just um, double-checked. So the Game Informer article states, uh, it's worth clarifying that PUBG Lite is not to be confused with the PUBG Mobile Lite, which is uh, the simple no? version of uh, Battlegrounds, and that will still be available in the US. Oh, okay. Oh, in the US. <laughs> right. In the US fills me with great confidence. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's really one of those it, you know, it's one of those really kind of what's going on with this thing situation because I mean, the team behind PUBG are really like hesitant to give any kind of information, really. You know, it took them a while to, it took yes. them a while to clarify what was going on with their sodding loot boxes. Um, for their clothing and then they finally announced oh wait you've got to get three bits of clothing that are in the same set to be able to wear the damn thing and that could take god knows how many poles in a crate yeah i didn't realize yes. that PUBG is no longer owned by bohemia is it not no it, it's literally under PUBG corporation so unless that's a subsidiary of bohemia mm. 
Subsidiary, no. Bohemia? Subsidiaries, does it, does it come under that? It does not. No, they are completely individual games See, now. Pub, PUBG has always been a bit of a weird thing because it, you know, it was the first to take the craze of the battle royale to its kind of like, you know, it, it took over. Uh, second, second. What was the first then? Daisy. Uh. Yep. The Armor Two mod for Daisy had three different editions, and one of them had absolutely nothing to do with zombies. Oh, okay. It was literally going there, and it was essentially a battle royale, but without the like without the collapsing walls mm. and stuff and there just would never be a winner um i think some modders decided they would they made it in on their specific servers but yeah the whole battle royale thing it's all spawned from um the daisy mm. mod okay but, uh, but uh, so okay so the first to the first standalone game to really latch yes. onto it yes really. it's probably the better way to put it um yes and then, up, well, and then obviously it got outshone Bohemia by... Bohemia decided they yeah. were going to do it. And then obviously it got outshone by Fortnite when that ramped oh, up in dear. popularity and partly because of the fact that, hey, Fortnite's free, PUBG costs God knows how much money, like, which one are you going to play? Like, realistically think about it. I, I always found that mm. funny that they were like, oh no, you know, we have the better game. It's like, then why are you charging for it when you've got fucking microtransactions and loot crates in it? Over there, they're doing the same thing as you, but they ch- it, it's free so more people can access that game. Yeah. There's something I found out recently. What? Fortnite wasn't originally a um, battle yeah, royale. We talked. We talked about it two weeks ago. Uh, Fortnite was meant to be a base builder. The Epic Games publicised yeah, at E3 2013. I want to say they had a really cool little um, uh, and concept. Then Daisy came out, and they were like, "Yeah, Daisy came out, and they're like, ooh, we can jump on that.'" And then it it evolved very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> As I said two weeks ago, like I, I'm, I'm annoyed it didn't it didn't probably come out with that because I I look you know that looked like an interesting little base builder that version of that mm. version of the game and also have you watched the um the teaser for it the art style is so different from what they ended up going with no oh, i'll have to look back at that one let me drop it for you in the i mean to be fair if fortnite wasn't essentially fortnite uh i i actually quite like the, the art style they've got to be fair the, the cartoony thing it, it, it does it looks really yeah. cool but as a game it's just it's too much for me to handle my brain ain't quick enough. So it was even... So the actual... So here's the teaser here. I'll just put, drop it for you. It's even longer ago. It was nine years ago this this um, this um teaser came out. So it's 2012 at that point. Ah! It's like... <laughs> I just had like full volume <laughs> YouTube advert there. It looks so unbelievably different than what we ended up getting. Oh. I sort of like mm, that. You see what I mean? Yeah. That that is considerably different. Those of you listening, if you if you um, type in Fortnite teaser 2012, and uh, you'll get the E3 teaser they put out. Um, I know it's 2011. This was, excuse me. So um, Fortnite teaser 2011, it will come up, and it's a, you know, obviously it's a teaser trailer That's... they put out, but it's a, it's got a really nice art style that I actually prefer to the one they went full for the for the battle royal game. Yeah, this is really cool. Oh, there's like zombies and everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I said it was, me- it was meant to be like a zombie base builder thing, like um. But they decided for some reason, let's go in the direction of making a battle royal. Why didn't they just, you know, pick a different name and build the battle royale thing? I don't know. As well, and just have two games. They could have made so much I don't more. Know. <laughs> How very odd. I'd have, I'd have played that over seven days. Yeah. That just from that trailer, that looks better than seven days. Looks good. I said I'm quite disappointed they didn't end up going with it. Yeah. So, two more small stories I want to talk about. Yes. So we'll start with the 
I mean, to be fair, they kind of link into each other. Xbox Cloud Gaming uh, is going to bring a bunch of original Xbox and Xbox 360 games to uh, mobile phones via these cloud streaming. Wait, what? I haven't heard about this. Okay, so again, via um, Video Gamer, the yeah, the cloud gaming app, which is currently in beta, is going to bring the following games uh, available to play on mobile. So Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tootie, Double Dragon Neo, Fable 2, Fallout New Vegas, Gears of War 2, Gears of War 3, Gears of War Judgment, Jetpack Refueled uh, with touch controls enabled, Cameo, Perfect Dark and Perfect Dark Zero, The Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion, and uh, Viva Piñata and Viva Piñata Travel in Paradise, both with um, enableable uh, touch controls. You're saying that I can play Oblivion on my phone? Yes. This is the best idea ever. The one thing is you will need the um, uh, Bluetooth. Because annoyingly, I've got... Obviously, I have an Xbox One controller, but it's one of the old ones, so it's not Bluetooth enabled. Wait, Bluetooth is in Xbox One controllers? It is for the newer ones, yeah. I've got two newer ones on my it's, desk. It, I had no so, idea. It's so that <laughs> it could set up this kind of thing. And also, also so you could connect them to PC without having... Without the cables. Yeah, yeah. If you had a Bluetooth yeah, reader okay. in them. Okay. But yeah. I, I, oh, I want to say, so okay. you know, that's a, that's a pretty decent selection of games. Fallout New Vegas, uh, Morrowind, Oblivion, uh, Fable 2, even though, you know, I know it is a Oblivion, um, Oblivion, a Fable game, so it's like Peter Molyneux's Lies. Fable, t- nah, Fable 2 is probably the best of the series, I'd say. What, because Peter, cause Peter Molyneux, when it was being made, made, shut his mouth and was like, I'm just going to stand back and, and let the team do it. And then it was like, oh no, Fable 3, I want all this stuff in it. Fable three was horrendous. So it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was the worst one. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I was gonna say, you know, but I wanted to get on into a little thing about this because obviously, you know, that's a that's a very good selection of fourteen yeah, games and- available to play, um, or sixteen games, sorry, to pl- able to play on your mobile phone to begin with. Yeah. I mean, knowing Xbox, they'll they'll release a, a lot more yeah. once they've got the yeah. compatibility to sort it. And obviously, so. there's also in beta, there's the version of. I think streaming also for your PC, um, so that's basically the death of Google Stadia, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> and also, obviously, you know, you've got Game Pass on the Xbox, and also that's cross. If you get the, there's two different. Yeah, yeah, of co- of yeah. I mean, I mean, Game Pass Ultimate is the one I'm talking about. Okay, so yeah, that that's cross compatible yeah, with. Yeah, um, so that's PC, Xbox, PC. and also mobile phones. You can obviously get the Game Pass app, play on uh, there. Yes, yes. But I, I wanted to say so with regard to this. Do you think that this kind of streaming, because we talked about it obviously a couple of weeks ago, that you know Microsoft seemed to be more and more focusing on you know basically making their own Netflix for games, you know a massive library of great titles that can be played pretty much anywhere. I mean, it's a a good marketing. Yeah, strategy. yeah, absolutely. You know, it's fantastic to, as you say, see these sixteen incredible games. I mean, I'll, I'll say it again: Morrowind, Oblivion. Gears of War 2 and Gears of War 3 and Fallout New Vegas available to play on yeah. your mobile phone. That's an incredible, incredible opening gambit. And I mean, I'm assuming this that is this going to come under the whole Game Pass thing? Yeah, so it's including Game Pass. Um, it's including yeah, Game so, Pass. So the, so the actual advertising block that um, Microsoft has... £7 da- a month and I can do download that. Download the Game That's... Pass on Android devices and experience cloud gaming beta with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate today. Ten ninety nine. I think you might be going to eleven ninety nine for so many games able to play on PC, Xbox, and on your phone. Jeez, 
That's, I mean, is there something better than a bargain? <laughs> That's a practically giving them away. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm down for that. That works. Because obviously, you know, we saw that, as we said, you know, Stadia tried to do this with their streaming stuff. Tom, were you ever like slightly interested in getting like Google Stadia? Or is it always kind of thing you saw, this is going to be a, a Google, you know, part hunk of junk that's probably going to die within a year of coming up? I'm not going to touch it. How did you feel about it? I mean, honestly, I've only recently started seeing all the Stadia adverts. Oh, um, wow. And it took me a very long period of time to then realize, oh, wait, it's a gaming platform? Like, for me, if I'm gaming on a console, I'm on my Xbox. And if I'm gaming on my PC, I use yeah. Steam. That that's It's it's how it's always been for me. So I think I've just, I just stuck to yeah. that. Um, especially with the now knowing that a lot of the Xbox games, you can just, you get... Obviously, with the um, the Xbox app on PC as well, you can I can crossplay them mm, a lot. Mm. So, for me, it, it it there was not really a decision to be made. I just didn't change from what I was doing yeah. before. That's very interesting that you said that you you only just recently realised that Stadia was a game streaming platform. And I think you know, there's obviously this, there was the news a few weeks ago that Stadia had shut down all its shoes and essentially cancelled any games that were going to come out for the damn thing. <laughs> but this might be the final nail in the coffin, you know, because Microsoft, with all the studios that they've acquired, you know, they've got all these indie studios they've bought up, Double Fine, Ninja Theory, Obsidian, and now adding, with their Zenimax purchase, adding Bethesda, id Softworks, and uh, I can't remember who else was involved in that, but uh, like some bringing, bringing in a big, big group of more studios, that's going to be an absolute just buffet worth of choices with regards to what you want to play and as you said you know that's like that's so for the price of netflix and uh, netflix and disney plus combined gets you installable and cloud gaming on phone pc and xbox yeah i don't see personally how you know sony have tried it sony have tried to do a similar kind of thing but you you missed a word in there as well unlimited yeah because it is essentially because even when you're not even then restricted by hardware because even if your storage is full up and you want to play a different game you just delete one Mm. and install it's like the um the nvidia streaming thing you know you can play on a on a crap on a pretty on a pretty crap pc you can play something like assassin's creed valhall uh no i think valhall's on there yet but something like assassin's creed odyssey because it just yeah. streams from servers. See, I think the the issue with the whole streaming from servers thing that that's very reliant on uh, internet. Yes, yes, I yes, stuff. I was going to bring that up. Is that you know it requires you to have a very good internet connection. Yeah. Whereas I think this stuff sounds like it's a uh, you download it and then you can like play it offline if you need to. And well, stuff, so. again, it's the mobile stuff. That's that's the streaming. It. That's the streaming side of it. Yeah. PC, as we say, you know, you can just install stuff on on your computer, but it's. I I do wonder. You, you yeah. do bring up an interesting point. I do wonder if this is going to run into the same problems that Stadia has run into. Stuff that um, you know, even stuff like Netflix that's run into. If internet service providers are going to allow for the for the bandwidth required to get good streaming on on hardware. Mm, yeah, I mean, if they do it. 
if they manage to figure it yeah, out and yeah. like, it, it all gets sorted. This is probably one of the biggest leap forwards in gaming technology that we've had in a long time. Because, mm. um, I mean, a lot of it, I think this this is akin to sort of the original consoles. Oh, wow. I think. Well, no, seriously, because if you think about uh-huh. it, what have we been doing? Like, gaming was very much PC-based for a very long time until somebody thought, you know, let's make something that's specifically designed for it, i.e. the console. I mean... And then, I mean, to be fair, you, you, since you've, then, you've got to go. It's spread a lot. You've got to go all the way back to the arcade days. Oh yeah. And then, and then you've got the home consoles. Also, going to go back like, that. Stuff far, like a, yeah. of like the Atari. Obviously, that was like the earliest of early days. Yeah. But I get what you mean in but terms you of think you know when it, you first got proper power have PCs. We been, yeah. Yeah. What have we been doing in like what has gaming technology been doing since the console was invented? We've just created more consoles, yeah, and more and, yeah. more and more and more and more and more and more, and PCs have just been getting better at being PCs, and that's that's all that's been happening is we've been moving forward in technological level, yeah, but the actual technology of the of what it is hasn't moved at all. We've got consoles, and we've just. I mean, I would dis I would now, disagree because because this- you've got um, stuff like you know obviously you had AR gaming with with you know on the stuff like the 3DS. Um, on phones, you know, you had like loads of augmented reality games. Yeah, and then you jumped, made the jump to yeah. virtual reality. Yeah, and okay, so yeah, the VR stuffs happened, but that's just added another section. This sort of thing of combining everything into one place, everything going from being multiple different sections mm. and amalgamating them into one thing. It's probably, I mean, from my perspective, I'm don't seem like it but i'm actually quite a people person <laughs> i like have people being together and interconnectivity and stuff like yeah. that and this i f- for me I'm, I'm looking at this and i'm thinking right well that means like because this, this is essentially crossplay, but massive this is more than crossplay, if you mm. will and it'd allow so many more people to be able to interact with others especially in a time like now yeah well, we're being to- we're being told we're not allowed to go within however many feet of another human being. Like it, it, it's something that we have needed for a very long time, and I think it's something that's going to be very good for the games industry. There is a flip side, though. There's always a flip side, and you're always the one that finds. Yes, it. well, I'm, and, and that and that is the, <laughs> that we will lose. We could end up losing the history of video games. That is a nice professional segue to talk about the Sony this week announced that it's will shut down PS3, PSP, and PS Vita games to be bought via the stores. Uh, obviously, the PSP store had already been shut down, but you, as of the... What day was it again? Let me find it. See, this is why Xbox never made handhelds. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, can't remember. I think it was like the end of July or something. As of then, you will no longer be able to buy PSP games from... from sony's website and be able to install them now this is what i mean as much as we yes we have you know great streaming services coming up the accessibility to have stuff like so for example and this is where my concern comes in slightly stuff like i've got my xbox 360 sat right in front of me to the side i have a whole wall of games yeah. now the, the old the old analogy that um that is used is if there is you know if you if you need to you know you can take your console and your games into a nuclear bunker and you've got all yeah. your games you want. 
with something like Steam, with something like the Xbox Series S, which is exclusively downloaded games, once the internet goes off, obviously the Xbox Series X is slightly different because obviously it's all downloaded to your hard drive, but even with games like you own, but you haven't downloaded them, as soon as the servers decide to get turned off, you lose everything. I see what you mean. Yeah. Because there's a lot. There's been a lot of discussions about making sure we preserve the history of video games, making sure we preserve our medium. You know, with movies, it's pretty easy to, you know, say if you, you know, Citizen Kane for crying out loud. You know, I've got a DVD for Citizen Kane sat on my shelf. If I want to watch it digitally, I can go and buy it on various um, services. But if I want to, if I mm. want to play something like. I don't know, p- pick an old game off the top of your head. Like a, a, a personal favourite I used to play was the old, what was uh, WWF wrestling games. Yeah. If, I, if I wanted to go and play those, I've got to try and find a ROM and I've got to make sure set, it actually worked. I've got to make sure, you know, that the controls are set up properly. It's all about, you know, it's becoming harder and harder to go and play these games that have changed, you know, a generation. Like, for example, one of the most influential games of all time is Grand Theft Auto 3. The idea of when GTA was taken yes. from a top-down perspective to a third-person world you can explore was incredible. It is now getting harder and harder to be able to get a copy or play a copy of GTA 3. Yes, it's on Steam, but as I said, what happens when Steam servers get shut down? Yeah, I think it's it's very much reliant on the companies themselves to keep running. Mm. Um which with something like Atari, you can like like Atari as a games maker died many many years ago. You can't play like yeah, there's the odd ROM out there on the internet, but it's damn difficult to play an old Atari twenty six hundred game for for instance. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just one of those things that with advancement and with new technology comes loss. You you lose a little bit of the the previous. Or the or the, the the end of the list, you you lose a little bit off the end every time you move forward. You lose a little bit from behind you. I think it, it's just going to be one of those things because it's not just in video games. It, that's happening with any advancement we make. Is it though? Because because that because it's an interesting point you made that you know you know with with advancement with advancements in technology, you will lose a little bit off the end. But I was going to say that you know it only appears to be in video games. I can't think of a single film that was made, you know, in the 1900s that isn't really easy to get a DVD copy of or a VH, like, I guess VHS is a bit of a different thing, but, you know, retailers like Amazon, HMV, you know, they still sell copies of old 1900s films. It only appears to be yeah. video games that it's getting more and more difficult to get I, your hands on. It, well, video games don't have the, um, people to preserve them quite as much, mm. do they? Mm. Like, because everything's becoming very much an online thing, like you say, HMV and everything, like they've been preserving DVDs and films and music and all, all, all that sort of thing for literally years. Like, if you look at how old that company mm. is, they were created in what, the 1800s, something mm. like that, with like gramophones and vinyl, or what was then uh, considered records because they were not made of vinyl. But you, you, you know what I mean? Like, it, they've been producing this stuff for, for that many years that it, it's just it it's second nature to them to continue selling hard copies of things and things like that but when it comes to games the game industry has not been around nearly mm. as long and with that comes the people only tend to start preserving things once stuff's been around for a certain period yeah. of time and for a lot of people and a lot of 
people within the industry games games as an industry has not been around long enough to start preserving i and i know you both we both disagree with that like preservation of this stuff is important regardless Mm -hmm. and i know actually um i know of at least three actual like stores three actual shops around england that actually preserve these that preserve video games like there's actual they've got console setups and stuff and i think one of them's a cafe you go in there you buy a drink you sit down you play video games for a bit on like a retro games console they've got set up whatever and it, it there are places out there that do preserve the history of these things but it's getting i think with with video games it's skipping the section that we've got for like tv and film mm. the t- in tv and film we're at the point now where if you want to see something from 10 20 30 40 years ago you can find it like yeah. that whereas the other uh, games industry is only like with, 50 years old i think at this point yeah with the games industry has skipped that point and we've gone straight to well if it's not current then it belongs in a museum yeah, yeah. and people have started creating these little odd geek cafes and game stores and stuff like that that are essentially little museums for video games that that have all the stuff from when people played 10 20 30 40 years ago but for they're still selling them so that they're they are essentially skipping the all access section and going straight from not current to being in a museum mm. whereas a lot of other areas don't do yeah. that so i think that the pre- the preservation is happening for for games and stuff it's just not as readily available for the average person so it's like because I, I you want to get an atari 64 i can give you a list of three different shops that'll sell mm. you one <laughs> but i can't guarantee that it'll be cheap yeah, yeah. and i can't guarantee that it because it's not going to be, because it is rare. It is something that has become very rare, because at the time, nobody thought it was very good. Well, I wonder... And suddenly, nowadays, we're all like, well, we want that. Yeah. We want it. It was good. We want it. And now everyone's going, well, we don't make them anymore. We haven't made them in years, and now they're running a bit low, so they're rare. And so it's not readily available, and it's not going to be cheap for people, but it is there. Well, that's brought up an interesting point, actually, because you made me think just there. Obviously, in the past few years, we've had kind of a you know, revitalized demand for vinyl records, for example, or, you know, I saw, yes. you know, or DVDs or tapes. I'm pretty sure, you know, at some point I'm expecting there to be an uptake in, oh, you know, why not, why not get stuff on VHSs? If VHS comes back, I'm going to be a very rich man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if, as you said, I, I, I've got this feeling that that won't be the same in the video games industry because, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, there is stuff like the the snares in the PlayStation minis and all that kind of stuff that are very, very popular. You know, they were, they were re-released by Nintendo and Sony respectively for a reason, but no developer because of, you know, partly because of the technological nature of how difficult games are to develop, but also because of, you know, the way they've gotten used to doing things. I doubt there will be, you know, say a console comes out that uses cartridges. I very, very highly doubt that, Come that um, certain publishers will release, you know, a cartridge and a disc and a digital version of their games. It'll be we'll put it on disc, disc because we kind of feel like we still have to, but we're mainly doing digital. Well, yeah, but then you also have to think of it. You can't do a straight comparison with 
say uh music and games or tv and movies and games you can't do a straight comparison like that because when you're looking at tv and movies you're you're so you're comparing it to like netflix and stuff but all movies are in like they're all compatible all of them they're all like mp4s dot uh mov files they're all compatible because they're all made to be compatible they're all designed to be able to run on cds like because that was the popular thing at the time that was the thing we used we used cds and dvds that it was a a commonplace practice thing to do uh the same with music like we use cds we use vinyls they're all compatible with each other it's all one thing when it comes to games it's not because it's like there at the moment there's not that much there's xbox playstation pc and uh what is the the wii or the switch switch yeah yeah the switch that's about it but you're talking about preserving games you go back to when like the era in which you're wanting to preserve these games and there was a lot more so yeah playstation xbox maybe at the later points but probably not like the snes snes 64 uh gamecube the atari like there's more than i can think of right now and they were all individual and none of them had cross-compatible games Mm. Maybe maybe the SNES and the SNES 64. I, I hold my hands up. I'm not entirely sure. But the games that were made for them were made specific. And so the actual media is separated then from the thing yeah. that it can be observed on, I think. So you can't do a straight comparison. I understand what you mean. Um, you Because know, I'm just thinking about... And, and it's, a, it's a very interesting point, you know, given that, as you say, you know, film and TV, that was all, you know, it's all single format. You know, music. That was the word I was trying to find. You know, Thank you know, you. Music <laughs> I is, think of it. is either in its raw form in like a WAVesque file, or it's a more compressed MP3 format. Either way, it will you'll you're able to play it. Yeah. You know, but you know, it's 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 in a very good point you've made. You know, you look at the amount of handheld consoles that there were. That, you know, in the early two thousands, you know, there wasn't just Nintendo and Sony stuff. There was stuff like the Bitcoin oh Mate, the Harco Game Master, the Atari Lynx, all these kind of stuff. And the later ones, when it the Game Boy stuff started picking yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and and trying to be able to, you know, have, trying to get so it's accessible, is it's gonna be near impossible. But it's still, you know, it's still very, very important. At least I believe that we preserve the future, if if only to see where we've come from, you know, to see that see yeah. how we got from Pong to you know to Majora's Mask to GTA Three. To, to, I don't know, in Elder Scrolls 6, for example, you know, to track yeah. the development of our industry. Because, you know, you, you can absolutely do that in in film, for example. You know, you can see the the silent film, the black and white, to, you know, the advent of Technicolor, and up to, you yeah. know, starting to get towards the more 90s, where you start to get used more CGI and more creative, is probably the, is the only way I can think of more creative filmmaking. <laughs> And it's at the modern day where it's like, you know, whole whole films are done. You know, also, you know, I missed out the animation thing there. Yeah. And it's it's something that's going to be increasingly... I, I've got a feeling it's going to be increasingly up for, up for discussion, up for concern for, you know, those who are interested in, as we say, tracking the, the history of, of the games. Because, you know, the, the publisher's going to be like, oh, no, you know, we're just going to chuck all this stuff out, you know, chuck the new stuff, it's what makes us the most money. 
Um, but for us, as, as, I've said, as I said before, you know, we are enthusiasts. We are the enthusiast game. We care about not just what we're playing now, but what is being played in the future and how we learn from it. Yeah, I think it, it also like the the history of it as well, because like like we were saying about the Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just uh, when when I was talking about Odyssey and saying it's just not Assassin's Creed. Mm. That's bec- it's the comparison of that game to its namesake yeah, history. Yeah. And the other like the history of the Assassin's Creed series and the feel that you get from all of those other games and how much you're pulled into the story of the characters and the characters that are being portrayed by other characters and the way that they like portray the story of you are playing as someone who is then viewing memories yeah yeah you yourself are not playing as that character but you are viewing you are playing as that character through someone who is viewing them as memories Mm. and they managed to get that feel right so long and then they did odyssey and it just didn't feel right it's the history of like the history of each franchise makes makes it what it is. How do you feel about this? Because it's something that just pumped into my head. You, you know, you look at stuff like the Oscars or the Golden Globes or the uh, um, you know any of these movie or you know or the Emmys, for example, for TV. You know, or you know the whatever the ones for the music awards are. Okay, you look at those. Yeah. And yeah. though you've got you know the big films that are making money and the big TV shows that are making lots of money, they award those you know awards go to stuff that's being creative in its industry that's being innovative you know um you have people that don't care about don't care so much about making money and more just want to make a thought-provoking good film yeah in the industry i wonder if the the problem we have when it comes to documenting the history of video games is that at the very top you've got the publishers who are making so much money from it and they're just like, you know, we just want to make the money. We're, we are just interested in making these products. And you do have indie developers who are like, no, I want to make a good game. I want to make a thought-provoking piece of work. But those thought-provoking pieces of work don't really get the the spotlight shown on them at stuff like the at the game BAFTAs we had last week. You know, a lot of the blockbusters get into those walls. Yes, you have kind of like more less well-known stuff you know for example Hades I think was the game of the year last um at at the BAFTAs yeah but you know it's all you know it's still all about you know those are still dominated by those publishers making so much money they have all the all the money to buy developers even though they make you know non-thought you know I'm not saying that all games need to be thought-provoking I'm using that as an example from what we've seen with a lot of stuff from you know previous Oscar um Oscar winners and all that kind of thing and you know a lot of films and TV that have won awards are the ones that are, you know, are bookmarked when it comes to documenting the history of that medium. I wonder if that's a problem we're going to run into in the games industry is that because these award shows honor, you know, the big blockbusters as opposed to focusing, I would hope, on more like indie titles, that then, you know, that's where the documenta- documenting the past is going to be more and more difficult for us in the industry. Yeah. I think with the the big awards shows as well, like I mean, you you see that across all of them. I think not just with Game Bafters, it's it's very predominantly based around the big budget and big like big stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it was the I don't know I I I missed the Game Bafters, so I don't know whether it would know if it's the same for that. But I was watching I think it was the the TV one I think, mm-hmm. um, and they they had a thing specifically. No 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 no, it was the Oscars. They had a, a section specifically for 
indie. Yeah, yeah. An indie film. But it was one award for the best indie film. That's it. That's all it got. That's all they got. The rest of them were all big budget, um, essentially Hollywood style movies. Sorry, I, I, I don't think I made my point right. What, what, so. what, what I mean in terms of you know highlighting the smaller, more creative films is like you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about the fact that the big blockbusters, the stuff that makes the money, you know, the superhero films, you have you know, or your Fast and Furious, that kind of stuff, that doesn't get yeah. considered for for awards in 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 the film, right? But in the games industry, you've constantly got stuff like Call of Duty. Um, and those types of titles being considered for like game of the year awards and what i mean i'm with you yep yeah i'm with you now yeah no i i don't agree with any of that because like i mean if fifa can be game of the year maybe once every seven years mm-hmm. i'm gonna say because as much as yeah fifa People may may find it enjoyable. I know you find it enjoyable. Don't no, I, I used to before I got absolutely flooded with microtransactions. Yeah, the game as it on its own is 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 considered entertaining, yeah. and I accept that. I don't find it entertaining myself, but that's because I don't get along with football in general. So that's different. Yeah. But yeah, so as much as FIFA is a big budget game, it is just one game. And they can call it FIFA 17, FIFA 18, FIFA 19, FIFA 20, FIFA 2021, all they want. It's one game. They release a new game every year, but they don't. They re-release the same game every year with new updates. Mm. That's all it is. They improve the graphics. Maybe they change the engine every every few years, but that's about it. And the fact that they're getting away with that is ridiculous. So that is something that I'm going to go with of games that just repeat themselves, like fifa call of duty is guilty of this considerably they have released so many games where they've just essentially reskinned everything make the graphics just a little bit better and then gone hey look it's a new game yeah yeah games that do that shouldn't like there should be restrictions on the award shows that could like i don't want to say get like remove them completely but there should be restrictions so like it has to have original content, like proper original content. Like they, they can't re- be reusing stuff or st- something like yeah, that. Yeah. So like I said, a F- FIFA every every seven years is when its gap opens up to being able to win. Call of Duty, same for that. Like every, because uh, granted Call of Duty don't release a game every year, but like ev- it has to, every few years it can be considered. Like every single year just seems like it's, a bit of an overkill and taking up a spot for a game that actually could be considerably better. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, let's be fair, Sam, the games industry over the past two years has not been great. Nah. We've not had any decent, uh, not had many decent games come out recently. So fair on it to have it this time round. Well, if, if I if I may, I've just brought up the, um, I know we've been dragging on a little bit longer, but I think, I, I'm quite enjoying this conversation. I think it's important we have this kind of conversation. I've just brought up the nominees and the winners from the Game Bastards last week. Um, Hit me. So, EE Game of the Witch, EE's Game of the Year, which I believe is an award given to, I think it's basically a, this is, a, this is the public vote. Because I think all of these others okay. are considered by a board of, board of judges. Well, it's, I think, 
sorry, let me correct myself. As far as I remember, the BAFTA is, is a board of judges, but also part of a public vote. Now, the those involved right. in the EE game of the year are public choice games. So okay. the EE game of the year was, um, or those who were nominated, were Animal Crossing New Horizons, Call of Duty Warzone, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, The Last of Us Part 2, and Valorant. That was won by Last of Us Part 2. Okay. Something like Technical Achievement, which is, you know, a, a, you know an outstanding uh, title that makes the most of, of the software available, or the hardware available, excuse me. Uh, yeah. The winner was Dreams, made by Media Molecule, and the, the nominees were Demon's Souls, Doom Eternal, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Last of Us 2, and Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, My God. If we look at something like... Supporting, obviously... Microsoft Flight Simulator is on that list with FIFA and Call of Duty. I just want to point that out. I, I mean, I, I would agree with regard to, but I think it's considering the, the what they were able to do on the... Because, you know, it's a, it's a really, really uh, energy... or oh, sorry, power-intensive game, that thing. Mm. So, let me just find the... Where's the game of the year? Here we go. So, so the games of the year that were nominated were Animal Crossing New Horizons, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, Last of Us Part 2, and Spider-Man Miles Morales. So, you know, with this, it's, it's kind of like what what I um, was trying to get to, or trying to, what I was talking about with regard to the Oscars thing. You know, the Oscars, you will see lots of, yes, they're made by big studios, but they're also very technically impressive um, and, in, and enjoyable. So I, I, would, I would argue that all of those that were in the Game of the Year category with regard to the Games BAFTAs are in that um you know yeah. all are not the same as as every game be- um, before them if they were sequels you know they all had unique aspects to them and you know they have you know they, they do have to be fair to them they do have some interesting uh, categories they've got best british game debut game uh, and evolving game to you know for those that you know may have started like for example the winner was sea of thieves this year which you know had launched in a really Oof. in a in a ropey state but then, you know, as it yes. as they had time with it, they made it into a better and better game. Uh, yes. Just trying to find, because I believe there was one that was kind of a bit of an odd ball in these categories. No, I, I like Sea of Thieves. It's a good one. Though. I was going to say just on our on our conversation we had earlier about with regard to Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was actually nominated with regard to best narrative. So it's, I I'm, again I, I can't remember what um you thought of Valhalla's. Um, story Tom but it's with regard to the judging committee they thought it was actually quite it didn't it didn't win out and that was beaten by Hades Hades yeah. I think cleaned up at the, at the at the BAFTAs the other day but it was it was up there along with Cyberpunk uh, and I was going to say that's another interesting thing so as I said that you know they had best British game and all that kind of thing but they also have a category which is best original property to highlight those you know those titles that try and be different and try and you know and, and try and you know <laughs> bring something new to the table yeah is it this one surely it's this one here i can't remember which one it was but yeah so that's like so you know as i said for some of the categories they do you know try and highlight stuff that isn't the yearly fair but you know there has been that i think they got rid of the had they had family and uh, multiplayer categories now if i remember rightly the families category had stuff like rocket league and fifa in it you know, just because it's rated three, there wasn't anything like it's got to be a good game. It's just, you know, it's a three rating. Let's pick some popular stuff. That's what I meant by, you know, not 
not highlighting the stuff that tries to be unique within that space yeah i think it's it's the the definitions of each award as well they don't they don't make that so i mean to be honest like a lot of them are just oh what is the best yeah that one's the best this one's the best yeah yeah this one's the best and they don't really define them very well about well in what way how where does this fit yeah yeah and like i think if they did a better definition on what the award actually was they'd be able to get away with being able to say some of some of them for like the big games are able to have this but then smaller games can have that mm. and that that sort of thing like i think that the me saying that there needs to be more definition while using this that and then <laughs> there you go there's, there's a sentence but yeah like i i, I don't know I, I just i think it the better definition around the actual award titles and stuff would make it better yeah right? yeah i think with that tom we have <laughs> we've gone for quite a while i think we've is it time to i end? believe it is yes we've talked about a lot of stuff today oh dear god two and a half hours indeed indeed Oof. i mean to be I, had, I didn't have the timer up so <laughs> I, didn't I mean also to be fair like this is why the podcast we started the podcast because you and i can just talk forever so we thought yes at least we can put some kind of time limit on it. It's actually going to be to date the longest episode we've done. But oh well. Uh, we're coming up to two hours 40. Yeah, two hours 40 <laughs> minutes. Easily the longest. Now, Tom, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, self-promotion, please, Squire. Of course, you've got streams, you've got your Patreon. Go for it. Self-promotion, right. So there's been a bit of a change. I'm doing less because you, you brought up my YouTube series. There's There's going to be less to do with actual standard videos on youtube now i they're not as popular as i hoped they would be (laughs) so i'm not doing that mostly Mm. to do with stuff like uh project winter maybe some among us videos stuff like that like little like events videos i'm gonna keep doing um when it comes to like game gameplay stuff it's literally i'm just gonna be streaming it on the upside though I'm multi-platform streaming now, so if you get me on Twitch, Facebook, or YouTube, Griftex Blues, I'm streaming live to those all three at the same time, and the, all of the chats are intermingleable, so you can be on watching on one site and other people can be watching on another, and you can talk to each other because I set it up that way. I also set up a load of new commands, so like you can go on there and type exclamation point pod. And it'll give you the link back to this uh, hey. this podcast. So there you go. I thought that would make you happy. Oh, so. I, 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 um, I just, um, I've got an announcement to make. Actually, I've just remembered um, in a minute. <gasps> but dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, so um, so that's, yes, that's all uh, Griff's X Blues, isn't it? Um, on on uh, Facebook, everything, YouTube, literally everything. Uh, I've also got a Twitter account as well. It, it just posts notifications mm-hmm. of when I'm going live. Um, so, yeah there's that and is there any updates uh, incoming for your those that are giving you money on patreon nobody's giving me money yet i mean, i live in hope but it is there if you go on on, on twitch again i put another uh, another commandant and exclamation point uh patreon it'll give you the mm-hmm. link to that um but again it's patreon at griff's Blues. it's literally any money that goes onto there is going to be going towards my animation project which is coming on quite nicely actually i've almost got to the uh, end of season one scripting so mm. we're, we're looking good at the moment you're slowly getting there son really getting there and no you cannot really. <laughs> i didn't so, think yeah. you'd trust me with that 
Shamelessly plug yourself, Thank sir. you very much. Twitter.com forward slash Wilbo underscore 99 for ramblings on politics, video games, or attempts to end to be a wannabe video games journalist, football, wrestling, and lots of other gubbins. Also, uh, YouTube, uh, I am... I've got uh, two channels, not posted on for a while, but we'll get there soon. Uh, the Football Network for Football Manager content and on... Um, bloody brilliant games for roundups of games news one of two of uh, that we mentioned in this podcast you might have seen uh, a couple of weeks ago <laughs> also uh, no twitch i don't do that um but we have got an announcement to make regarding the podcast and i haven't told you about this because i just remembered it on the you spot haven't told me what, no so what's happening now as those of you that listen to the podcast should know hopefully we post these on youtube and also soundcloud now SoundCloud has been a bit of a pain for us recently, so we are contemplating the move to Anchor, which is a Spotify-affiliated service. Okay. Now, I am in the process of uh, trying to get everything set up over there, so it's very likely that this and all the previous podcasts will be on Anchor, therefore Spotify, and also means that it's a little bit if you if you're someone who has Spotify Premium but also you know wants to listen to this on the go and doesn't really want to get SoundCloud Premium you can just listen to it on Spotify. But yes, uh, please subscribe to uh, this channel. Of course, this is the channel for the How to Adult podcast. Uh, and fingers crossed, all going well. Uh, we will be over there on Anchor uh, or Spotify uh, again uh, at the How to Adult podcast. Um, there, there is also another thing happening with this YouTube channel. Uh, yes which you sort of know about it i yes. don't know yes. how much you know about it this isn't just going to be the for the podcast we're this is for the entirety of the how to out group so there's about 30 we're evolving we're evolving it's a bit scary but we're going to be running some D stuff once we're allowed out of the house uh once uh mr boris says we can go outside again and do all the fancy events things so I know you said you wanted to do EGX and stuff. Well, so that, that's more just that's more just coverage for uh, bloody brilliant. But uh, yes. Well, well, yeah, we're going to be doing that, but also a lot of the live action stuff. Um, you see all of our lovely, lovely faces, uh, IRL, and yeah. So that all of the the group stuff is all going to be on here. My stuff's going to be on my channel, but it will be separate. So anything I do with the group, like predominantly like. IRL things and D&D things and all of that sort of thing will all appear on this channel. So this isn't just for the podcasts. Just thought you should know the podcasts are just the beginning. Yes. The po- so yeah. The podcast is we how we thought we. The podcast is how we thought we kick this off. Um, obviously, as you, can, as you can, if you've made it to this point of the podcast, you know Tom and I can talk for a long, long, long time. If it happens to be your, yep. <laughs> I should say, if this happens to be your first podcast and you've got to this point, you can tell we talked for a while. If you've listened to all of our previous ones, yeah, you know that by now. But no, 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 no. If the, if you've started with this one, which is the longest one yeah. so far. I congratulate <laughs> you. Congratulations yeah, you for much. making it this much. far. <laughs> but yes, we will uh, be evolving uh, the content that appears on this uh, channel. So you'll be able to see more groups and not just hear mine and Tom and Jack's voices for God knows how many hours on yes. length. <laughs> yes. Right. With that, let's let's end it. We need to end yes, it. Yes, indeed. Thank you. We're rambling too Thank much. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the How to Adult podcast. And from Tom and I, we shall see you in another two weeks where we've hopefully, fingers crossed, got quite an interesting episode planned and hopefully Jack will be back with us for that episode. As I said, with all that, thank you very much. We shall see, uh, see you in a future episode. Goodbye. Bye.